welcome back again. This is another episode. That's right, another episode of Thought Riot Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brendan. And I'm Maria. And we are ready for an awesome show tonight. Uh, I feel like I've had all kinds of information. Like, all week has been an emotional roller coaster with, like, the Carly Russell stuff. We have two serial killers caught in like the last two weeks. There's multiple other serial killers that uh, are not caught. Actually, haven't even been told that they're haven't serial killers yet. Yeah, yeah by confirmed. police. Um, you know, you have all these internet sleuths doing all the confirming online. It's actually one of the stories we're talking about tonight. But I feel like it's just been nonstop going, just information, you know, flying all over the place. I agree with you. So. Um, it's It's been pretty wild. That's an interesting topic that I've seen pop up online through many articles that it's really strange how all of these serial killer cases are popping up and, and they're coming to our attention. It's not like they're new. They've been happening um, for a long time in many cases. So it's it's interesting. Why just now? It reminds me of like the 70s and the 80s when there were so many serial killers getting caught. Yeah, that... like this, I feel like we haven't had this kind of serial killer boom in a while. I, I've... The whole time I've been thinking this, I've never taken a minute to just sit here and think about it. And, like, while you were saying that, I'm sitting here thinking about, like, what could have changed? What could have caused this, you know? Because basically in every single one, we have FBI involvement. You know, you remember, like, six months ago, that change with the Internet where all of a sudden uh, the FBI and the government is going to have even deeper access to, like, to, to the web and what we're doing and things like that. I wonder if that has something to do with it. I wonder if that's where they're starting to connect these leads and they're like, oh, shoot, flag, flag, flag. You know what I it's mean? Possible. And that, that's helping them identify their suspects. And then boots on the ground, uh, investigative work is helping them land them. I never thought of that till now. Maybe that's something we could look into. But Anyways, we are jumping way ahead here. We appreciate you coming and watching the show with with us. This is Thought Riot. Blah, blah, blah. This is Thought Riot podcast. Your favorite crime and culture and updates. Why do you try to add things onto it? Just crime, I feel, crime and culture. I feel like three is the right amount of like description no, short and okay. sweet crime, crime and, culture. and culture we've been going back and forth about this obviously <laughs> so uh we know we want to focus on crime and like my favorite parts of crime are like the cultural aspects of it and what it does to society and how we're viewing these things and, and whatnot but uh anyways we will get into it here in just a second thank you for being here make sure that you are following subscribing uh, liking, making sure you hit that notification bell to know when the new videos are coming out. Lately, we've been posting one or two a day. Uh, we're splitting up some of our updates along with our stories to get those out there a little bit further on some of the other platforms. Um, make sure you check out our streamlabs.com forward slash thought riot podcast. But disclaimer, okay, I am 
not asking you guys to go there with the only intention of uh, helping out financially if that's something that you want to do. For whatever reason, when you go to streamlabs.com forward slash thought riot podcast, it takes you directly to a tip box. And I cannot figure out how to make it not do that. I've been trying. So if you go to streamlabs.com forward slash thought riot podcast and you get that tip box right in the front, just hit the home button in the upper right hand corner and that will take you all to our newest videos, our streaming schedule, when we're live, what platforms we're on, contact information, all the good stuff there. Okay. I am working on trying to make it not go directly to the tip box. Uh, so anyways, now you know. And uh, we're on all the social medias. We got Discord set up, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Spotify. And what am I missing? Anything? Nope. I think we covered everything. Come check out the stream. We've been doing uh, a lot of investigating on stream. And we're on stream on basically every streaming platform you can think of from 9 to 11 p.m. CST. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Bam. Yes. Eventually, I want, I really do want to get this show live to where, like, we could see some of the comments at least or something like that, you know? Maybe that could be, like, some kind of insider uh, subscriber type thing. Come hang out while we shoot the pre recorded videos. I don't know. That might be something kind of fun, you know, be able to talk and communicate and. And hang out and whatnot during all this. And you guys could see the in-between footage. You know, some of the stuff that we end up having to cut out. Like going to the bathroom and all that boring stuff. But Yeah, because that's fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, people like to get more of an inside look. You know, they want to learn a little bit about you. I feel like when you're watching someone from a screen... Um, you don't get like the true essence of who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Anyways, we appreciate you're here, and uh, we appreciate all the comments that you guys have given us so far. Like, there is a lot of different comments in a lot of different directions, and I mean that in a positive way. Uh, I want people to comment that don't have an opinion that we have. Like, I want to hear it, you know? Definitely. Um, So, by all means, you know, leave those comments. Let me know what you think about any of the stuff we're covering, and yeah. We'll go from there. Yep. So let's just get right on into it. That's what she said. That's what he said. I love DILFs. Yes. I love you hot just, dads. It's just ridiculous how you come home with these things. Here you go. I got you. I love hot dad shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So want to hear something since... Serial killers are all the rage right now. You want to hear something uh, pretty amazing? Yeah. So, a woman who died many, many years ago, four decades ago, was just identified. And a serial killer had actually, serial killer Henry Lee Lucas in 1984 confessed to killing hundreds of people, including her specifically. So um, only three of those were confirmed, uh, not her. But finally, with DNA, like the new DNA tech we have now, she was identified. Um, And this was in Elgin, Texas, by the way. 
So her name is Kathy Ann Smith. She was 22 years old at the time of her murder. Um, mm. They had no leads. They had no idea who she was literally for four decades, except for that one serial killer claiming to have killed her. Okay, so they, they found her body and were unable to identify her. And mm. then how did this serial killer claim her? Because And the reason I'm asking this, okay is uh, sometimes we don't get all the information at face value. And I, I've noticed in the past, uh, like, you know, decades past, um, there were police that wanted to be able to close cases. And I do think they were doing it for, for the right reasons, like trying to help families let go and things like that. And I've seen a lot of cases get connected to the wrong people and whatnot. So did this guy, like tell authorities where the body was or anything like that or does it even go into that because it's such an older case yeah it doesn't go into that um it hmm. just says that he confessed after he was caught and that's about it he just remains a suspect to this day because it wasn't it wasn't excluded it wasn't disproved um so they just don't know but they finally at least know mm. who she is so she was found in elgin texas when like police were just driving by and saw her from what i can see on the side of the road and she was in um a white t-shirt and blue jeans and that's all the information they had okay just and a what, young just girl and found her on the side of the road that's so strange yep. that mm -hmm. is so strange i know weird and no one called her in as missing or anything like that mm, that's nope. that's so wild well but I mean, she was an adopted kid um it, it sounds like nobody was looking for her they said part of the issue was that she wow. was adopted. Um, so it says law enforcement had to get court permission to access the adopted family's information so they could notify both families. Mm. Um, but they said they're happy they finally gave closure so yeah. they know what happened to I her. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it watching, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think life ends after we our body ends you know what i mean so um yeah I, I think it's good for closure whether the crime happened 10 years ago 100 years ago 500 years ago you know what i mean there mm -hmm. that's still beneficial just because we live in time in this dimension and i don't want to go too deep into that but uh you know the next one might not have time so uh you know it could feel the same as yesterday as the next hundred years or you know what i mean yeah Could for be. sure i mean i i don't know if i believe in life after death but i at least take comfort in the fact that i know she's at peace and she's not feeling that pain anymore of whatever this person did to her um last week would have been her 67th birthday wow okay yep wow that's wild. It's it's really sad that she didn't have family that came looking for her, though. But, um, you know, hopefully she lived a good life when she did live. Uh, and uh, justice, at least, you know. Yeah. And, you so. know, Henry Lee Lucas is known as the confession killer, and he killed his own mom. That was one of the three people he was convicted of. No was his own way. mother. Yeah. But he confessed to way more. Like literally over a hundred. Yeah. Okay. So that, 
names are the worst thing for me, you guys. I with my with the type of ADHD that I have, like names are a no go. I can remember pictures, faces, places, like super good. Yeah, Never him. forget them. But okay, yeah, there was a documentary made about him that I watched. Okay, mm-hmm. yep, I know exactly who it is now. And obviously, you guys would have seen the picture here too. I would have had it up already. Um, and. Uh, yeah, that is wild. That is wild. So, yeah, interesting. I'm happy she was finally identified, though. That was that was cool to see. Yeah, yeah. So I I do just want to give one more disclaimer, you guys. Um, so when you hear this sound, for those of you that are listening to audio right now, that is our audio cue for pictures. Um, so we have our we have our show up on YouTube and Spotify and all the other social media platforms, and we are uh, adding pictures so you can kind of follow along in the story with some of the photo evidence that we have. So if you are listening to the audio, I apologize. Maybe we'll actually start downloading one where we exclude that sound bite for the audio preferred people but we just recently last week had our audio podcasting on like um apple uh amazon a couple other places really started climbing like elevating being listened to a lot more so that was one of the complaints there so you know what maybe i'll do that this week i could probably start the download before i add those additional sound bites in there but uh anyways for the other videos if you are getting caught up and just found us that's what that is so it's not supposed to be like a mic drop the person who left a comment made it sound like and you keep using a sound bite that's like played out like i feel like they were thinking that sound was like a mic drop like it was supposed to be like bam oh you know what i mean yeah i could see how it could be annoying when you're an audio listener uh yeah hearing that and there's no gratification there yeah i You're not seeing anything. You don't even know what it's there for. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, so moving on here. And look, this is an update that I feel like a lot of our viewers, because we have so many true crime viewers, are going to be like, duh, this is old news. But for me, it is such a big deal, you guys. I don't understand how it happened. I don't get it. I don't... It just blows my mind, okay? So, March 20th of this year, okay, of this year, a month ago or two months ago or whatever it was, Republican Governor Brad Little signed a bill allowing an execution by firing squad, making Idaho the latest state to turn to older methods of capital punishment amid a nationwide shortage of lethal injection Drugs and the legislature passed the measure on March 20th with a veto proof majority. Mind blown that we are reverting back to firing squad. Like, I, I don't get so, it. So, tell me what about firing squad? seems like barbaric or too far to you. There is a very, very, very good chance that it is not going to be an instant death, okay? Um, On top of that, you're also asking every single person that holds a gun to risk trauma, 
to risk their sleep at night, okay? There's not just 10 people, because I'm pretty sure Firing Squad works like this. The guy gets set up, you know, and there's 10 people, and nine of them have blanks, one of them has a bullet. Or right. or I've also seen it where they all have a bullet in yep. it, so you don't know which one's a kill shot, and it guarantees death, whatever. Um but you're risking the trauma of all of those people, too. Like, there has got to be okay. a better way. Even if it's like, you know what they do for cows with that spike uh, injection thing in the skull? Like, how is that not better in an automatic way where you don't have a bunch of people pulling a trigger taking a human life? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a good example, the the cow thing, but I'm th- I do I'm understand, automatic. like, if you think about the experience of lethal injection, okay, just injecting someone and they go to sleep, it's not that simple, but, or the idea of all these people firing a gun at a human being and seeing their head or seeing the bullet go in and the blood and it's way more traumatic i think to the human psyche to see a person get shot than go to sleep from an you know injection. how many people i've met in my life that have taken a bullet in the head and are alive oh trust me i know a lot i met someone uh I've that heard was it playing russian times. roulette and uh directly to the head and lived like Murdoch. Yes. <laughs> the case of Murdoch. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, it just does not seem like an effective way. It, it it feels so barbaric to me that my mind is blown. I don't get it. I feel like this is something that should have been left back in, like, the 1950s. Now, on top of this, okay, so, so with Idaho adopting that in a veto-proof majority bill... Uh, they've been added to one of now five states that also permit executions by firing squad. Mississippi, Oklahoma, Utah, South Carolina, and now Idaho. Oh, I, I'm not shocked by those very specific states being the one to do this. I am. And um, I'm not because of the states they are. Um, nothing against people that live there, but it's a certain way of thinking like in conservative circles um i i think if there's a nationwide shortage of lethal injections then how about we just take a pause you know they sit on death row forever anyway like forever yeah and so i want to be clear when i'm talking about this too Um, my concern isn't with the person that would be executed because once they get to that point, they have gone through multiple motions. They have seen a judge. They have been judged by their peers and a jury. They have probably more than likely tried to get that turned around. Like it's a very, very, very lengthy process that by the time they're in front of that wall going through this, they're They've had their day in court probably tenfold or a hundredfold, okay? My concern is everybody else that has to be involved in this. Like, okay, we have a shortage of lethal injection. Got it. I understand that. Why are we not taking some of the insane amounts of fentanyl that we're just 
having the biggest bus in all time in the last six months and using that as yeah, a I'd, lethal injection dose. Like I don't get it. That would be that so quick and painless. It would be painless for the person that's being executed, and it could be done in the same way that they're doing the lethal injection. Like, I know. I just feel like there's so many other ways where you're not traumatizing 10 people. I agree. There's other drugs you can use other than whatever's in lethal injection, um, which I, I don't think it's any opioids. Yeah, there's got to be a better way, you guys. But I, I'm very curious what you think about this. Uh, I'm very curious if you think that this would um, issue trauma to these people. Is there going to be a set firing squad? Is it going to be the same people every time? Are we going to use guys that are like military men that already know that they can take a life without having that trauma because they've come to terms with the fact that they're not the ones deciding it, their commanding officers are, you know what I mean? There are people out there that can compartmentalize really, 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 really well when they're in the field in war and can end, you know, any any amount of people because it's not them deciding. So it's very different, you know. Are we going to use those kind of guys? Like, what, what are the stipulations and details to this? Because it's just not worth harming somebody to execute the criminal, in my opinion. But. Yeah, I just think it's it's like back to like capital punishment and that that's how we used to be we used to do like public hangings and firing squad and you know all these things and we've moved away from that because it's seen as barbaric so it's just a bit weird to go backwards um to answer the question about what's in a lethal injection it's midazolam or something like that to sedate um vercor wait vercor Curinome, I don't know. We'll put the picture up. Bromide, which is mm -hmm. to paralyze muscles, potassium chloride to stop the heart. Why are they not just using morphine or fentanyl? I, I don't agree. get it. I agree. I don't understand. I've, and I've felt like that my whole life, too, is why are we not just using a really, really, really powerful opiate? I don't get it. You wouldn't have to have the, the muscle whatever medication that was to stop the muscles from moving and contract like you don't need any of that you need one thing just a very strong opiate yeah that's it yeah i'm really curious why they don't use opioids i'm i'm gonna have to l like literally look into that because yeah. i don't get it when an opiate od happens you guys if you guys don't know it just depresses your breathing so much and you like your body slows down so much and your heart rate and everything that like you just slowly it suppresses your breathing doze yeah. off you know if you've ever seen anybody come to they don't even know what's going on they That's... could have not been breathing for two full minutes and when they come to they're like what what what's that's going people, on that's a, like people with the tolerance though like if you've seen addicts do it the thing about people who don't have a tolerance is it actually might be slightly painful because they might get the pins and needles and throwing up and they're gonna feel that rush when it's injected like i wonder if the experience which i don't i don't know why you that just matters do a slow injection yeah you can just change to a slow injection yeah like a drip yeah. like slowly over absolutely time of a yep. very strong medication yeah Absolutely. But anyways, I'm really curious what you guys think about that. If you think that was a good idea, if uh, 
why you think they went this route. Why you think they went with a firing squad versus some other form. You know what I mean? I'm not suggesting we bring back the electric chair, but like we have gases even that can make people slowly you know, doze off yeah. and, and they're gone. Why are we not using a gas chamber over a firing squad? Or even like, a mask with some kind of... I know. agree. I yeah. just don't get it. I don't understand I don't it understand it. I think it. there's definitely other ways other than firing squad. It's, it's like it's about the image, which is really strange. I so. agree. I do think it's about yeah. the image. Like, we're, we're a BA state, so what's up, you know? Yep. You come mess around here, you're going to get... Ended by a firing squad, which I got to tell you, based on uh, criminal psyche, it doesn't matter how bad the punishment is. The type of people that would do that crime don't take into account what the punishment is. So it doesn't matter what your punishments are. It's not going to change the amount of criminals that you have willing to do that. Yeah, and from what I've seen from a lot of serial killers, they don't really care about death. They're not scared of death. Yeah. So the death penalty doesn't mean anything to them. Yep. Um, anyway, Living's probably worse, honestly. <laughs> moving on. You're talking about public executions, okay? Yeah. Well, in Singapore, they just hung a woman, the first woman in two decades, for trafficking an ounce of heroin. No way. What? In Singapore? Yep. But on isn't, Friday. Isn't Singapore like a straight up red light district? I don't know. I everything don't... goes, drugs, sex, money, like I think everything. Singapore has like a, you know, it's popping in that way, I think. But um, their capital punishment laws have not evolved at all. And it says it's the first woman in two decades, but it's also the second hanging this week for drug trafficking. Oh even my though, gosh. even though they're claiming that they're going to stop capital punishment, they've been saying they're going to overturn these laws, um, but for drug-related crimes in particular, this is outrageous. But, no one should ever lose their life, in my opinion, for, for a substance. I agree. Ever. But anyway, her name was, uh, and I'm so sorry if I butcher this. I will try my best. Um, Sari Dewey. Dijamani. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jamani. We'll go with that. Um, she was 45, and she was sen- sentenced to death in 2018. Um, and yeah, she was just home. They wow. said it was enough heroin, pure heroin, to feed about uh, like 370 abusers a week, for a week. Wow. Yeah, I mean... An ounce is what, 28 grams or 32 grams or something like that? Like that, th- that's a lot of dough. It says of 31. It says 31. Okay, grams. it's 31.5 then. That's right. Okay. Um, but uh, that's a lot of dope, you guys. That's a lot of dope. A lot of uh, active drug users out there can get by on 0.1, you know, and that's like a ton when you're. 0.1 is nothing in. When you're comparing it to like 31.5 grams, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of pure heroin. But for me, I don't think it should matter matter whether it's a, a point or it is, you know, a, a pound. Like a life, a life, okay? That just blows my mind that there are any countries out there that think 
any substance is worth the cost of a life. Yeah, I I don't see it that way. I don't understand why addicts are getting punished um, like this. And, and I don't know if she was genuinely a distributor. She could have been holding it for somebody. Who knows what she was doing? She tried to appeal it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It, it said that Singapore's Court of Appeal dismissed her appeal, finding that it is not in dispute that she was not a courier, and the only punishment available is mandatory death penalty. Wow. That's just incredible. That's incredible. I'm curious what you guys think. I, I hope we never go backwards enough to where we get to this point. You know, one of the stories that we've covered in the very near future uh, or very recent past, I mean, um, was what Portugal is it Portugal that we reference back to quite a bit where um, they decriminalized every single drug out there, you guys, and they started focusing on helping the person and uh, instead of punishing them instead of punishing the person in these situations so while they'll still pick you up the police will pick you up if you have a whole bunch of dope on you they uh, will take the dope confiscate it give you a ticket and and what you do from that point is go see uh, a judge at court where they uh, give you mandatory therapy. Uh, drug counseling, and I think like a 12-step type group where they're actively going out of their way to try and help these people get over the problem instead of, you know, trying to hide them from, from what they use to reduce the problem for themselves. I mean, instead of throwing them in prison and, you know, like locking them up and throwing away the key and not giving a shit what happens to them because the reoffender rate for drugs is insanely freaking high. Yeah. Sending someone to prison does not teach them a lesson. It does not help the reasons and fix the problems that they picked up that drug. Like yeah. they are traumatized people, they have mental health issues, and they need help. And punishing them for possessing a drug that is basically their self-soothing medication to deal with life, because life is hard and clearly they've had a rough go at it, is absurd. Yeah. It makes no sense. I like agree. these are sick people. They need medical care. They need therapy. They don't need thrown in a slammer. And now, if they are other associated crimes they committed, that's totally different. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. What, like, what I was meaning before is, like, there's this idea that if you just separate people from the drugs, that that's going to solve the problem, and it doesn't. It actually makes the interest in those drugs grow grow more than it would than if it was readily available okay yeah because, when it's taboo people want it yeah yeah when when people are going through issues and stress and trauma and things like that we automatically know that these taboo things usually give us some sort of release you know uh when you're feeling bad you want to do something bad and um just making all of that illegal isn't the solution in my opinion it, it clearly needs to be people-focused, but, yeah, that's interesting. So, this one's wild, okay? Super crazy. It's another one of those, like, volcano-type ones. Scientists just recently revived a 46,000-year-old 46, worm. Revived it. Yeah, 
What? Yes, 46,000 year, years old, you guys. It was frozen solid in the Siberian permafrost. Why would you want to do that? I, I just want to light all worms on fire. There, I, I <laughs> get it. And spiders, too. I get it, but... These scientists knew that, that this type of worm can go into, what did they call it, uh, like a, a stasis type function where essentially their body can shut down permanently with the right um, climate around them or whatever. You know, whether it's cold enough or compacted in mud or, or whatever. So they were able to bring this worm back to life, 46,000 year old. They believe that uh, it went extinct like 50,000 years ago. And here's the crazy part, okay? This worm was pregnant when it froze. They revived it, brought it back to life, and it started having babies. And the babies survived? And the babies survived. Yes. What? Yes. It says... Almost all small worms like this are known to have the ability to shut down biological functions to survive. Isn't that wild? Can you even so, imagine? 46,000 years old. Like, is, this that, a, is this a worm that we have today? Or is it a worm that's, like, extinct? No, no, no. It's it's part of a family. No, it's a worm that's extinct. It's a part of a family of worm that we have today. But... It is extinct. They believe it went extinct like 50,000 years ago, okay? And, um, or I'm sorry, uh, went extinct, I think, 15,000 years ago because it's 46,000 years old. I think it went extinct 15,000 years ago. But still, it's 46,000 years old, okay? Even if you look at it from an extinction age of 15,000 years, like, humans are lucky to live 100 years. The immortal worm. The, uh, right. It is the immortal worm, and we need to find out how we can replicate that in humans. <laughs> that I was thinking the same thing was like, okay, we're doing all like these new age gene splicing and figuring oh, things splice out with and, worms? And, like, and putting DNA together. I wonder if there's a way to pull out the traits of of that and splice it into another animal or I mean, something. We've seen you this know? in sci-fi like where, you know, they put people in cryostasis and then they travel oh, through space like I I think there's a I don't know. I have like a weird conspiracy theory in my head that all the stuff that's in that mo those movies actually exists. Well, <laughs> you you know that for the most part we can put ourselves in like a cryo freeze. We can. The issue is when we bring people back. I know. Because yes, we can freeze ourselves quick enough where everything just freezes where it is, but that damages everything during the thaw. We have no way to thaw everything back to its original state. You yeah. know, kind of like freezer burn with as crude as that sounds, but that's what would be going on with our muscles and veins and all those other things if we did that. And so. brain. Yep. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I think it's the blood circulation that's the biggest issue. But yeah, you can see there's, uh, it's just a basic, normal looking worm. There's nothing special to it. There's nothing. Is it, it just tiny? Looks How big like is it? A, uh, um, it said small worms, so they were able to find it when they were searching the permafrost. And let's see here. 
Okay, so it looks like 24,000 years old is when they believe it went extinct. So not 15, 24,000, but that those numbers move a lot as I'm reading these. So um, it doesn't say exactly how long it is, but... Well, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's big enough for them to see it, okay? But isn't that interesting? 46,000 years old, okay? We just brought something back, something living from almost 50,000 years ago. I know, that's why. Science is crazy. Science is crazy. I love it. We have been covering the Carly Russell case since literally day Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. The moment she went missing. It was on, wasn't it episode 30 updates? Um, I covered her missing the missing, like the alert that went out saying that she was missing in her description. And we didn't know anything else except that she made a 911 call saying there was a toddler on the side of the road. We were speculating human trafficking. We were concerned. We were worried. As was the whole world. The All whole eyes world. were on you, Carly. And you really messed this one up. Okay. Uh, we've been talking about it on live stream uh, throughout the week. The past two weeks with each update, um, each press conference, because I think there's been like three or four at this point. And well, I just got to say that that guy, what is it? The police chief? Like, yeah. dude, his he dresses so nice. I'm I so know. impressed by it. even today. I'm like, gosh, man, that older man is like. What's up? Yeah. I know so many people I have said good. that, too. Have they? Yeah, so many people have said that. Because I haven't seen people commenting on it. So, like, he puts clearly a lot of work in the way that he looks. Like, his color matching and everything else that he's doing. I think it's important for someone to be like, yeah, dude, you look really good, you know? Yeah, he good looks choices. great. Like, <clears throat> I feel like... The, I don't know. It's amazing, honestly, because a lot of police officers dress pretty boring. <laughs> so, yeah, that's and, like prime... Sugar daddy material. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's been a lot that has happened. Um, She came back home on foot. Uh, Her parents went on national news and said they absolutely believed there was an abductor while everyone was doubting her. Um, People were speculating. Uh, We heard her statement that she was held in an 18-wheeler truck by an orange head with a a guy with orange hair and a bald spot and that a lady fed her Cheez-Its and painted her nails. We heard the red roof in thing. Um, Well, her lawyer released a statement a few days ago saying that none of that was true. There is no abductor. There is no toddler. And basically she's sorry. Well, moving on. Not going to cut it, girl. Moving on to today, Friday, July 28th. She turned herself in because they officially charged her. They put out and a here's warrant the, for her arrest. Here's the kicker with two misdemeanors. Now, yep. we're talking uh, what's They're all class the a, what what is but... all of the the law enforcement agencies? It was Homeland Security, FBI, Secret Services, the local and state police, sheriffs, yeah, everything. Everybody. Yep. Everybody was looking for it. P- Citizens, normal private citizens out there forming search parties. Uh, there was a woman who whose daughter was abducted and killed many years ago who led a search party. Like, there was so many people involved in this, not to mention yeah. all the people online talking about it. Well, 
two misdemeanors for a false police report and filing a false statement. Now, the police chief, when he was announcing this in the press conference, said he knows people are going to be upset by this, that it's not harsh enough, it's not enough. Um, and he said he's personally going to reach out to lawmakers to try to get people who do this and, and stage a fa- like a hoax, a false kidnapping, yep. that he wants it to be harsher. A false claim. I don't understand how there's not a way for them to do the whole finances thing. Cause I think that's like one of the bigger things here is that she took resources from these law enforcement agencies that are super important to people all over the nation that need them. Yeah. Well, I think this is a really good example for people out there that maybe don't understand exactly how law works from you know front to back top to bottom now laws are made by the people and politicians and our public servants and we police or prosecution cannot just fabricate a charge out of nowhere okay and based off of his reaction which i i trust that guy's reaction i really really do based off of uh all the information he's given from the three statements that i've watched him give when people are asking questions he seems very quick and upfront and blunt and straightforward yeah. and i've appreciated that a lot the entire time when he can't answer something he straight up says look i i don't know i can't answer that or whatever this is the reason why you know and uh he based off of all that he seems really trustworthy so when he's up there this time he says like i am really angry about this that we can't charge her with more now these are class a misdemeanors where um she's gonna have to pay a fine of like a thousand dollars for each one uh with up to a year of jail now i don't know if you caught this but there was one part in there at the very end where where they asked about the financial aspects of this somebody did in in um in the media area or whatever, when they're taking questions at the end. Okay. And, uh, he says that, you know, I'm going to talk to the judge. I'm going to follow the, these charges all the way through. I'm going to work with our lawmakers. And ultimately I hope through everything, we're going to be able to recover some of the funds that we put into this massive manhunt. So, uh, maybe there's going to be something more to it. Maybe there's a way that she can go, to court and they add on an additional stipulation i don't know but i think that he did everything he could they can they can press more charges later they can they can add on things and it like in court proceedings a lot of times like i don't know if that's the right way to do it though to add on more charges i think that's happened so many times I mean, yes, if they find more evidence of additional crimes than they do, but they are not allowed to go create a law and then come back and charge her with that law. I don't see any more charges coming to her. But, yeah, I agree. But um, this can be something for the future. Like, I think think that is... Yeah, to prevent this. Yes, I think that is the positive that comes out of it, is that this will be less likely to happen in the future. Um, And 
we know to like look out for this now. We don't want copycats. And I think no. that's what people are worried about with how quick this blew up, you guys. Uh, I think that if you have another person out there that's going through it, it sounds like for real, Carly was going through it. And that's not an excuse. She should have never did what she did. Like normal people go through stuff all the time and you figure out how to cope and deal with it and not act a fool like that. She was that. just dealing but, with a cheating boyfriend. Like everybody's dealt with that. Yeah, I... I get that. There um, could be more. But not, even if it, even if but. it is really bad, it doesn't matter. I don't care how bad it is. Like that is too much, too far, um, and and involving a fake child and and setting up this grand scheme <laughs> and everything else. Like it, that's just too much. And um, they want to prevent copycats from coming out because you might have another person out there going through something that's not mentally stable or not making very stable decisions and have decision-making process that's reliable, and they're going to go out there and try and make a name for themselves yeah. because all of a sudden their name's in the world news. You know what I mean? And we got to be able to prevent that. Yeah, we, we do. Um, so she bailed herself out... Uh, on a $2,000 bond, just had to pay a thousand. Um, and yep, she's out on the streets. Yeah. I, I don't think that people understand how stuck she's going to be for a very long time. You know, uh, on stream the other day, we watched a video, you guys, and you should go watch it. I know. It. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. We watched a video where she is talking to get a, uh, a scholarship for going to school and, um, she is sitting in between her grandparents and she's fabricating an entire lie. You guys, that's just not true. And what's, what's wild is that her grandparents don't say anything for a very long time while, while she's recording. And she, I think she believes what she's saying, saying that her grandpa was a drug dealer and ended up going through something, uh, having a hard time dealing with his, his wife or her grandma prostituting herself. So he started using his own drugs. And then she, the prostitute, had to put him in a rehab. And then she rehabbed from being prostituted from being a prostitute and like her words exactly where she's a recovering prostitute and he's a recovering crackhead essentially. Well, none of it's true. Yeah. Her, none. Her grandparents sat there Zero. for a long time. They had like laughs and stuff and they're kind of like, what's going on at the end. You kind of figure out they both like were looking at each other, like to say something. And then eventually they did. But, um, she goes, it's just a wild story to get a scholarship. Um, it's outrageous. But you guys should definitely go check it out. I feel like it gives a little bit of insight into the family dynamic a little bit, who Carly is. And that would be our VOD, um, so our live stream. You can watch it after. It would be from Thursday, July 27th. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I'm curious to know what you guys think about that. Yeah. And I, it was really weird to me. They went so far into the conversation without speaking up. But, like, it... Based off listening to the whole thing, the, the grandfather is an educated man. He went to school. He went to college. He, he said that, well, sure, I've been to a rehab to go look at patients, go look at the people that are in the rehab, not to rehab myself. I think he said he was there to help them even. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it just blew my mind. Like, I didn't get it. Where did that come from? And they couldn't even figure out when they're all sitting there who exactly it came from in the family. Like, she literally made it all up in her head. 
Yeah, or she heard Wanted some to kind be like of hood rich. Some, you know what I mean? Yeah, like she acted like they come from poverty or something. And from what we've seen, that's not true. No so. way. Her family's part of the local country club. She's driving a bright red Mercedes SUV. Come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so I Jeez. think this is just like um, I think she's kind of a toxic person who wants a lot of attention Very. and um, extremely manipulative and has gotten away with it her whole life until now. Yeah, and I, if anything, I bet the parents are guilty of not holding her accountable Agreed. in these situations. Because even that video, like, if I would have been there, the second I heard something wrong, I would have been like, whoa, what? what are you talking about? Like, what is going on here? You know, stop... I, I wouldn't have just let it continue and try and figure it out as I go. I, I agreed. And it's also strange that nobody ever gets firm with her. They're laughing it off and like dying laughing. And it's, it's just like so offensive. funny. But they're they're like, that never happened, Carly. And it's it's just weird. Yeah, it was awkward. Yeah, to like go on video and tell a college that your, your sophisticated grandparents are an ex crackhead and a prostitute is like when they're not not that there's not. anything wrong with that i don't think there's anything wrong with being a recovering addict an addict being a prostitute or it, as she said recovering prostitute whatever that is but yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that but like her that's not what they were and that's what the problem is is she was trying to create this lie and this background for this uh specifically <laughs> Uh, black um, uh, scholarship. scholarship and coming up with this backstory like that you expect to hear from a rapper like yeah, yeah I, you know like That's Dr. Weird. Dre Snoop Dogg they came up in the hood in Long Beach area selling you know five sacks or whatever and then they hit it big and they changed their whole life around and like it was almost like that is what she yeah. was trying to portray which clearly wasn't true so manipulation yep Wild. We also uh, read on a live stream some of the texts to the girl that she cheated, that her, her dude, yeah, her boy ex boyfriend cheated on her with, and um, they're horrific, like calling her um, a stripper and not knowing who her baby daddy is, and she's like, "I'm well, rich and you're damn. poor, and and you know you're ugly and I'm beautiful, like right. awful, just really horrible. really awful." Trying to cut deep when there's no need for that. There's what? no reason to even no. even say anything ill towards somebody like the other woman, the side chick. There's there's no reason to do that. It's not her fault. No. There, He's the problem. Yeah. Not her. If she even knew. If she even knew at all, you don't even know that. You right. Know? But uh, Of course. But again, as always, guys, we want to know what you think about this. Yeah. We want to know how you feel about the charges. Do you feel like this is justice? Do you hope that... Somebody that was involved in, you know, one of the public helpers in this is going to bring up a civil lawsuit against her, um, try to recover some of the damages from the emotional issues that it could have stirred up when they thought they were trying to do something good and prevent her family from having to go through the same harm they went through when they lost somebody and it all be a hoax. Like, Oh, man, that just blows my mind, man. The amount of people that came out to support you, and it was a hoax, you know? And, and 
you look at that situation and like you look at all the people that invested all the extra time and like it, it makes you feel good about that. The amount of people that were willing to help somebody that they didn't even know come out and, and, and try and make sure she was okay. But then you have the other side of the coin here and she's just a straight up and liar, manipulator, you know, a rich little spoiled brat that wants attention has wants people no to no concept of life. like it's like that whole idea like you're gonna be sorry when i'm gone right that kind of thing um and That's totally not to mention all the missing people who really need that attention to their case like they really need help they need people looking for them um which i think you were yeah gonna cover some of the missing people in the country right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there were a couple concerns that were brought up recently in the Carly Russell trial. Uh, when they were making a statement, there were people asking the police officers, are you worried since this happened and it was a hoax and you guys invested so much time and money into this, the next time there's a missing person, are you guys going to invest the same kind of resources and time and make it the same kind of priority? And that both officers that were there spoke up very quickly, you know, and I'll bring up the other question in a second, but they said, yes, absolutely. It, it, it had nothing to do with who she was. It had to do with the fact that we had a missing person out there. We had a child involved and we had uh, a potential person that was harming these two, two uh, victims, right, that they were looking for. And so they brought all the people they could into, her, into search and hunt these people down and try and make sure that they came back okay um and uh and yeah where was i going with that you're supposed to talk about the missing people no i, I get that but i had a point where yeah they was... made a statement that we should bring awareness to people who are actually missing is that what you're talking about no no i don't remember what my point was but that's okay um the police officers made <laughs> that all... was a long rant man. yeah the police officers made um Gave all the right answers, you know what I mean? Um, and, oh, that's where I was going with it, is somebody asked a question about race and if that had a play had to do with this situation, and both of them spoke up and said, absolutely not. We couldn't care less what color or race or gender or uh, anything that somebody is. We're going to invest the same kind of time and resources into finding them regardless. So um, I think the child added uh, an extra sense of urgency and grabbed people people's attention because it's like a toddler on, oh, in yeah. a diaper walking on the side of the interstate and then oh, yeah. them both being abducted this girl who this young girl who just tried to help this baby like it, it was uh, you know it got you in your feelings like you're really concerned about this person who was trying to do a good deed and this child who's all alone on the side of an interstate in the dark like no i that's I, terrifying i agree i agree with you 100 percent. but uh one of the things that we wanted to do this week is just bring continued awareness for missing children. You know, we have the National Amber Alert System out there that lets us know when we have an individual that's under the age of 17 that goes missing, they don't know where they are. And this information is really important to get out there as quick as they is as we can because 
within those first 48 hours of a child being missing is that key time to be able to find them because you know where they're at. You can pinpoint where they went missing from and they can only get so far in 48 hours. You know what I mean? So Yeah, and statistically after 48 hours, the likelihood that you will find I them know. It's alive of how far they can drops travel. Yep. significantly. Yep. It's because the travel time. You don't know what direction they went and then it just gets too big to even be able to manage. So the first one we have here, uh, this kid went missing on the 23rd, June 23rd, 2023, missing from Cleveland, Ohio. This is Kashan Williams. He's 15 years old, male, black, hair color black, eye color brown, 5'5", 120 pounds, uh, last seen wearing a cream color jogging suit and gray Jordan sneakers. Now, the, Cle- the Cleveland Division of Police in Cuyahoga County has issued an Amber Alert for a missing child named Kashan Williams. He was last seen at 5719 Fleet Avenue wearing the cream color jogging pants with a white and blue letter lettering in gray Jordan tennis shoes. Um, the suspect's name is unknown. The involved vehicle is described as a black Jeep SUV with temporary license plates. God, that's scary, dude. Yeah. That's scary for sure. That means the cameras are not going to be able to pick up that vehicle, at least with the license plate, you know. So it sounds like whoever was driving that vehicle knew what they were doing, which makes that even scarier. And he has been missing since the 23rd, you guys. So five days ago, you know, I feel like at least what he's wearing is something that can stand out pretty easily. A cream-colored jumpsuit and gray Jordans. For me, that would stand out. But, um, you know, just keep an eye out for these kids it's super important they're under 18 and uh, they depend on everybody to take amber alert seriously to be able to help pull together and find these children in the same way everyone did for carly you know yep the uh second one we have here just went missing on the 26th so two days ago we're just inside the 48 hour mark out of burlington iowa age 14 sex female race white hair color blonde eye color brown height five feet weight 120 Description, last seen wearing a light-colored tank top, shorts, and a red Chicago Bulls hat with a black bill. Okay, um, did you say Cadence Roberts? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't hear you say her name. But uh, from what I saw from the... Oh, maybe I didn't say her name. Yeah, it's Cadence Roberts. Cadence Roberts. Um, From what I heard from her mom's Facebook is her shorts were pink. Okay. So... Okay, so... Uh, light-colored tank top, pink shorts, and a red Chicago Bulls hat with a black bill. It has update, corrected the spelling of the child's last name, Amber Alert Cadence, Jane Roberts, 14-year-old white female with blonde hair, brown eyes, 5 feet, 120 pounds, last seen wearing a light-colored tank top, shorts with pink shorts with a red Chicago Bulls hat with a black bill. Suspect and vehicle information are unknown. Yes. So, so keep an eye out, you guys. Yeah, keep an eye out. And I, like I said, I was on the mother's Facebook because I actually got this Amber Alert on my phone and I looked it up and I couldn't find much, but then I found her mom's Facebook and, and she's posted tons of stuff. They got search Ugh. parties and everything, but somebody posted to one of the forums that they saw a black van 
with uh, no license plate in the area on no the day she went missing. Way. So I don't know if that's relevant information or not. They, The police do believe she was kidnapped. Um, there's rumors going around saying that she went to meet somebody, like she snuck out of the house uh, before breakfast was ready. Um, and she was going to meet somebody, and she was taken at some point. That's awful. Yeah. That is awful. This is something I want to keep being able to post up there. You know, I, I, I got to be honest, I've never on my own time went to the Amber Alert website to just stay up on what people, kids are, are missing out there. But I want to going forward. I think it's really important. I think it's important to post on Twitter and social media. Um, and that's one good thing that came out of the Carly Russell case is how quick and how willing people were to unite to find this child and woman that was trying to help this child. And I think that we have the capability of doing this for any situation, any Amber Alert out there. You know, it's just about getting that information out there. Yeah, I agree. I feel like for most of my life, I never paid attention to the milk cartons. I never paid attention to that stuff. It wasn't on my mind. I, yeah. I don't know why. And I feel like a lot of people move through life like that. It's, it's just not the most important thing. It doesn't affect you in your immediate life and what's going on with you. Um, and there's so many. age has to do with it, there, though, too. Age, too, for sure, because younger, younger people are extremely self-centered. Yep. We do not think about the world around us. Um, but as, like, grown adults, we should absolutely pay attention to the Amber Alerts because if you see something, you say something, and you could literally save their life. Yep. Like um, that van with the, the missing plates, you know? they. It was a black van. Even that information gives the cops the ability to watch the highways. Highways have cameras randomly that... Uh, you know, the cops can get access to. It's not like general public can pull it up. And they have cameras for, like, um, traffic conditions, accidents, weather, multiple things that's not just looking for cars but can be used to look for cars in these special circumstances. So, And Cadence loves to sing. There's posts of her all over her mom's Facebook of her singing and stuff, like, mm. to make her mom feel better and in talent shows and she just, she looks really sweet. Like, she looks like a little rebel, but really sweet at the same time. And I really yeah. hope that she's found. Yep, I hope so. That's sad. So keep an eye out, you guys. If you see something, say something. You know, it. if you know something in a situation like this and you guys don't feel comfortable for whatever reason submitting it, you are more than welcome to send it to us and one of us will submit it too. Um, you know, I... I don't think people should be nervous about submitting information, but uh, if for whatever reason you are, that's always an option, you know? Yeah, and uh, during this whole thing, we'll keep the uh, phone number that you should contact for mm -hmm. each kid for that area and then also the national one. Yeah, well, there's. I think to simplify it, there's just a 1-800-24-hour an, a hotline that's connected directly to the Amber Alert system and missingkids.org that you can call with any information on any missing child. True. They stay up on this nationally. So, yeah, but and they get you don't the think right the specific police no. department matters at all for no. like it to be faster? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that that's because every time a new kid's going to come up here, there's going to be a new number. That's too much to remember. If 
people out there could just remember this 1-800 number hotline, 1-800-843-5678, and it actually spells out something. I forget what it is. It's not showing on this page. But um, if people can just remember that, then you have the number to submit any suggestion on any child that's missing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, just keep it up on the screen this whole time. Yep, yep, absolutely. But that's what I got with that. The Amber Alert system is awesome, and I'm glad we have it. And keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Out. <laughs> so let's talk everything Gilgo Beach. Yes. So yes. you covered this um, a couple podcasts ago <clears throat> uh, about Rex Hewerman, the man accused of the Gilgo Beach murders. Yep. There have been 11 bodies found. He is charged with three of them currently and is the main suspect for one other. He's a 59-year-old architect. Just quick rundown if you don't know, if you've been living under a rock and don't know what's going on. Um, he's a 59-year-old architect who worked in Manhattan and commuted from Long Island. He's lived in Long Island in the same house literally his entire life, which is why it is the littlest, like, dump on the street, on the block. Is like, it? It's kind of a dump compared to the rest of the neighborhood. What? Um, it, it, like, when you hear architect working in Manhattan, you think, like, big, nice, beautiful house. I wonder how no. much it costs, though, because didn't they have multiple properties? They do, and the location is important, as it is anywhere, mm -hmm. um, for property value. But um, he was married to a wife of 27 years with two kids, a family man. Um, nobody suspected him, yet... Nobody was shocked when they found out that he, it was him. Like, nobody was surprised, which mm. we'll get into more later. Um, but he was taken into custody on July 13th. And he, I mean, this is going on, you know, 15 years after the first victim went missing. Yeah, I know. Which was Shannon, um, which he's he's not even charged with her murder, which is crazy. Uh, but he's, he's charged with murder of the three victims, which are Melissa Bartholomew, 24, Megan Waterman, 22, Amber Costello, 27. And their bodies were found along the roadway of the beach in 2010. Um, he's pleaded not guilty. I've heard people in the prison say that he... Well, his lawyer apparently said he cried and said he didn't do it. But then the people in the prison are saying that he's stoic and comfortable in his cell, which is kind of interesting. Um, they are searching his home. Well, actually, the search just concluded. And there were many items of interest, yet we don't know everything, everything. I, so... I heard and I saw a photo briefly when I was just listening to the news earlier that they literally dug up the backyard. Oh, they excavated the entire yard, had cadaver <sighs> dogs out there, ground penetrating stuff like tech. They had oh the my works. gosh. And they tore out, I guess he had like a deck or, or that's yeah. what they were saying mm -hmm. on like Newsweek or something like that. Like a like patio that. or something. Yeah. yeah, and they literally took the entire thing apart and brought. 
like a digger back there, you know? Mm-hmm. So what? they spent 12 days searching his house. The family got Two kicked weeks. to the curb, Whew. and they just returned. And, and get this, the family was in the front yard, like the mom and the, the brother and the sister, and the mom's pacing back and forth while the kids are sitting on the front porch, and she's like, you know, don't talk to me. Like, she's, like, mad at the cameras, and she even flips the bird at them, like, puts up her middle fingers at the cameras. Dude, she's going through a lot, I though. know. She, thank God she filed for divorce, and we already put an update video out on that um but imagine going through that like her what she had imagined her whole life being was flipped upside down okay I know. which i will argue all day long obviously i didn't know him in person but there's no way that they could have had like a hundred percent fulfilling relationship you just can't with that kind of sociopath yeah and um, yeah, so she filed for divorce. Um, they won't make any statement or comment on it, her or her lawyer. Uh, but I, I will say the family does seem a little bit odd. Um, and neighbors said the same thing, that they didn't th think anything, but they were odd. And that Rex Heuerman would burn things in the backyard. And the police did say they found things in the backyard, but not any bodies. We don't know what and it is yet. The only things that we know that they found were 279 weapons, handguns and rifles and oh other things, um, and a vault you with a giant metal door in the basement. People were speculating that it was like a soundproof room. The police said, no, not really. It's a vault. So we don't know if it's soundproof or not, but it's a vault. You know, taking a step back before going into the vault thing, you know what was interesting about him burning things in the backyard, too, is it's illegal in that area. Oh, yeah. Cause you're, so he yeah. was breaking the law, and you can only assume if someone's trying to, like, take a chance to break the law, it's got to be worth it, right? Yep. You know what I mean? Within city limits, it is normally illegal to burn trash. Yeah. Yeah. Wild, you guys. Mm -hmm. So the police described his home as cluttered and like, really? Uh, yeah, I, I saw videos and we'll put some pictures up of them taking things out of the home and stuff. And they say, like, I heard people saying it looks like a hoarder's house. Like, it, it seemed very cluttered. Um, and I did hear people speculating like it could have been away uh, with the vault and the clutter and stuff of him, like, compartmentalizing. And, like, I, I don't know. I don't really understand mm. that. But it, it is interesting that it was so cluttered. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that from a serial killer, to be honest, to live in, like, kind of a hoarder-type environment. Yeah. I think there's a lot of factors that can go into a serial killer's mind, though. And, uh, you know, they always say that, like, uh, a serial killer or sociopath, somebody who could do this, always has things in a very particular place in a very particular way. I think a lot of us, myself included, assume that means like very neat and this is here, this has a home here, this has a home here. But I'm sure that it could be that way and be cluttered too. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because I'm that same way where like 
I'll know where what I need is at in my clutter, but it is cluttered. Like if someone else tried to come in and figure it out, they'd be like, whoa, what is all this paper stacked on top of each other and stuff over here and stuff over there? But I could tell you where everything is. You know what I yeah. mean? So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I, I, I get that. Um, so among the things found... Okay, is a doll. And there's many speculations going around about this. So a big thing for everybody was, did you find any trophies? Like the media kept asking the police questions when they were wrapping it up and did a little press conference kind of um, and made a statement. They're like, did you find any trophies? And that's what everyone's been asking online, too. Like, we want to know about the trophies. Um, They wouldn't disclose that, but the doll that they brought out, which we have pictures of them bringing it out, it it, it resonated. People were like, oh, wait, there were dolls being left at the memorials for the victims. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Here's some pictures of them. Here's Maureen. Okay. They look like cloth dolls. Maureen's doll, and it has the hands over the eyes. What? Yep. Here's Megan's doll, which is turned backwards with, like, its arms, like, over its eyes. Like, it's leaning. Is it over the eyes or ears? So it's like, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil? I don't know. Here is Amber's, which has stuffing coming out of the doll's mouth, which I did hear people say um, that that was interesting because of something to do with Amber's body and what happened to her, but I, I'm not quite sure what that is. Do you know anything about that? I don't. This is my first time seeing these super creepy dolls. So, what are these dolls? Apparently, they're found at car shows, and they're called time-out dolls, and they are use they're meant to look like toddlers in timeout okay and they they're like people who have like kind of an odd sense of humor use them um i i don't understand that at all i but don't get it either they're at like craft what's... they're at craft fairs too like people make these and look like there there's this picture this woman posted which i actually learn more about this because of her her channel name's true crime trivia like shout out to her um but these dolls are like at craft fairs and stuff and people make them and it's just so strange they're meant to look like they're in time they're creepy it is creepy but there's the doll that they it's almost like a, a weird submissive aspect to this doll which is strange when yeah. it's like a toddler's size, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, everyone's saying this doll that was found in his house was kind of like a a, a life size doll, and it's got these long blonde braids. It's dressed in like this fancy dress. It's got like a red bow on its head. There was someone say she said uh, true crime trivia said something about people were speculating speculating it was an Icelandic doll and apparently his wife is from Iceland or is Icelandic okay um which it doesn't look like the timeout dolls this actually looks like a much more high end like intricate doll to be honest so I- i'm not sure there but it it is weird i think the dolls at the memorials is weird if there's any connection between the one found in his home or the ones found at the you know, memorials. I don't know if there's a connection there. 
maybe it's just people making connecting dots that don't connect, but the dolls at the memorials is super weird. And I do feel like he did it because you're kind of right. It's there's one covering the eyes. Then there's one turned around and its ears would be covered, but it's not really. Yeah. But I think it's meant to look like it's going like this. Okay. I was thinking, uh, hear no evil, or see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And then no the evil. stuffing out of the mouth. Like, they're each in a different position with different things going on, and I wonder if that's relevant to their murders, and I'm really curious if he put them there. Like, I, I kind of think he did. Yeah, yeah. They're just too creepy. and le- They're too creepy because... Like, these victims didn't know each other. We already know that they didn't have any association with Mm. each other. They were just all prostitutes. Right. So, like, it would be one thing if one of them got a doll. Then you could think, okay, well, maybe it's a family member, and that family member has a memory of them carrying a doll when they're younger. Or maybe they were interested in dolls when they were younger. But we have three separate victims... All with a doll left there. And they're meant to look like toddlers in time out. And, and they're meant to be a humorous thing. Strange, yeah. Yeah, that's not really something typical you would leave at a memorial. No. Mm-mm. It's extremely out of the ordinary. Um, and that's a really strange sense of humor to put it on a dead person's memorial who was killed by a serial killer. Like, that's kind of sick. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it makes me wonder right because we've talked about like the psychological aspects of a serial killer and what that means what that does and how they look at the rest of the world and society and culture and things like that Um, I think that there is a very big connection a very big line to draw between uh, how a person uses a doll versus how a serial killer uses a victim right I, I can almost guarantee you that most of them look at their victims in the same way. They don't see them as equal. Um, They see them as something lesser than human, which is why most serial killers have a type. For Rex Heuerman, based off all the evidence we're seeing, he looked at adult workers as less than human to the point where on almost a daily basis, definitely on a weekly basis, he was going out of his way to harass, scare, and verbally torture Adult workers. Yep. You know? Even to the day of his arrest. I know. And not only that, their families. It is scary stuff. It is super scary. He was a very sick and twisted individual. And the way they were tied and restricted and a bag put over them or... uh, Whatever it's called, that type of bag, burlap, burlap. Yep, yeah, the bur the the camo burlap sack was put over him. I think that we can draw a correlation between looking at them as a doll, which, by the way, he has a doll in his house, and him, yeah, looking at them like dolls in the same way that someone would use or play with a doll. So you know the child that was found at the beach. Yep. I don't know if you mentioned this last time or if you even knew it, but one of the women found out there is confirmed by DNA the mother of that child. One of the women tied to him? One of the women found on that beach, she has not been tied to him. She's unidentified. We don't know who she is and we don't know who the toddler is, but it is her child confirmed by DNA. No way. With different times ended? I don't know. 
different ending dates? I, we're not, nece- have to look not in, necessarily. We're going to have to look into that and see. I know. Wow. Because, you know, Hewerman antagonized and harassed the families too, like you were saying. But, you know, maybe in a situation like that, the way he would look at ending them would be different. They wouldn't be one of his dolls, these very particular type of woman that he had it was like some sort of an extension you know ending maybe um but he did look up cp like Uh, i know kids being harmed like no you know not and not just like us like you know assaulted like in like a the regular way if you can even say that but like violent i extremely violent so And he was very, very specific in the things he was looking for. I know we mentioned it, one of them, like, uh, you know, he he had searches for a very specific age of a child, a specific race of a child, uh, a very specific thing being done to a child, um, which already makes me super creeped out because when I hear that, like, that is a very specific search and makes me feel like he knows there's that kind of video out there somewhere. But then how would he know that video is out there? Is that him making that video? Or has he, in in his years of being free and not getting caught, has he created associations with other people that I are know. involved in that? I've, I've wondered you know what about I mean? that too. That's a very good point because, um, you know, usually with people who are assaulters of children they form these communities like these rings so that they can get access to as much material as they can um it's just terrible it is it's awful it's awful and makes me think maybe some of those bodies were another serialist yeah if you have any information to add on to this for sure let us know but i wanted to next talk about the interview of the s uh, ex escort Nikki Brass. So I have one other thing to add that I didn't do any research on. So if you guys know anything about it, uh, and I'm assuming since you didn't bring it up, you didn't know anything about it. But did you hear about the portrait? Oh, with of the, the woman face. with the bruised the woman face? with the bruised face. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, the the cops took it. Um, they want to find out if it's any person in particular. Um, or if it's just an art piece. Of a woman with a bruised face. That's really strange, but people make really strange art. Like, look at that yeah. Balenciaga Karen group thing with the, you know, the sculptures of kids with things on their face. You I, know, male organs on their face. And Look, if I saw a picture, a portrait of a woman with a bruised face in, you know, the home of, like, someone that's a feminist pushing for female rights, things like that. Like that makes sense. Uh, in a woman's household, like that makes sense getting over struggle. Like I can see the correlation there, but we have it that was in a serial Ender's house. So that could also make sense with his interest in harming women. I I wonder if he painted it himself or if he bought it or if. So strange. Is it a literal picture or is like, I'm curious. 
His his ex wife needs to write a book. If you somehow hear this, you need to write a book. Well, we need to know all those little nitty gritty details that she's unfortunately going to be looking back on and being like, "Oh my gosh, that makes sense now." Oh, even small things like if they're out in public, you know, maybe you noticed one time him have a really long stare at a certain woman. Like those things are going to start connecting. Yeah, they will. I'm I've heard people speculating and wondering if she had any idea because her hair was found on a victim and um i want to be careful there i don't want to like speculate she's going through a lot um and i don't think she knew but i'm not going to deny there could be a possibility because there was a very specific um her hair was found on a victim yes her hair was found on a victim so it could be just from his clothes because he lives with her. Like, yeah. my hair yeah. is everywhere in my house. I, there's yeah. literally clumps of hair when I when I sweep or vacuum that I find in corners and stuff. Because when you're a woman with hair, like, you shed a lot. Yeah. So it's not to be, like, it's not totally unheard of or impossible. Like, it can happen. Yeah. Um, and they do their laundry together. They're a family. Uh, so I heard, I have heard people speculate about that and also the very unique description given back in the day of his car, a big giant guy, like the description was very specific and people are like, she didn't see that. Like these murders were huge in Long Island. She didn't see that in wonder. I, so I, I want to be sensitive there. I um, do and, too. and a lot of people, you know, will see a red flag and ignore it because this is your husband of many years and you yes. want to trust him. And you can't just go accusing your husband of being a serial killer. Like, it's not it, that easy in real life to be like, hey, I saw that and I think you're the serial killer. Exactly. And it's not even it's not even that you want to trust him. You do trust him. And we talked about this on the last video where you know i think serial uh enders get uh a husband a wife whatever and that is their cover in society and that's not who they truly are that's who they have to be so that they can truly be who they are at night in the dark when they're doing their dirt and and stuff and uh i think they're very careful to make sure that that relationship lasts they put enough into it to make everyone feel comfortable it seemed legit and then that gives them the ability to go do their own stuff i totally think that not seeing those things can happen very easily. Very, very easily because she trusts him. She would see it and be like, oh, that's odd. That's kind of scary. That's like our vehicle, you know, and not even think about it actually being him. Yeah, because like... Especially in like, and it's Long Island is like a little community kind of, but it's like near New York. You don't, people come in and out of there all the time. Like who's to say it's your husband's car? Um, But yeah, I I don't think she like knew. She could have like had a suspicion here or there and just been like, no, it's him. Like no way. So, you know, that would be very hard to believe about your husband of 27 years. And like you said, imagine bringing that up. How? Yeah. yeah. When? Like, that would be insane. I know. It's it's hard enough to accuse somebody of, like, cheating, you know, or or something else. But um, 
I, I forgot before we get into the um, into Nikki Brass's interview, which is pretty shocking if it's a hundred percent true. Which I'm not saying I don't believe her. It's just we don't like have proof necessarily. Um, and she did do the interview before speaking with police. So priorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I know. I agree. Um, but they have extended the, the search to Nevada and South Carolina. So mm. <clears throat> after he was arrested, um, n- like in Las Vegas, the police were like, oh, like we should see, you know, because yeah. he owns property here. And apparently uh, he, his property is in the Spring Valley area, a timeshare at the um, sur- club. Wait, what is that? Do you know? How to pronounce that? What? You might know. Where? Right here. Club de Soleil. Okay, Co- condominium complex. So it's a condo. Mm-hmm. So like at least there's no property. It's just like a, a condo. Yeah. I mean, but... I hope, but some condos do have a yard actually. Yeah, and they they didn't find any bodily remains or anything like that in his New York home. So I I don't. I'm nervous that he just has property there. Yeah, I am too. And also, um, they've extended to Chester, South Carolina, and apparently there's, um, what is it called, Atlantic Beach? Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. Yep. Is that actually it? I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Atlantic City. Atlantic, Atlantic City, yep. yes. Um, that there's some disappearances there they're looking into. I saw a couple women I mean, that they brought up. Dude. Those are mob centrals. That is like the definition of 86 is where it came from. You know, that's where in Vegas, when you 86 someone, all the mobs owned the city. They drive them eight miles out from the strip and put them six feet under. Like that's where it came from, you know, and the mob that owned Las Vegas also was part owners in Atlantic City. Yep. So they're they're looking there. There is nothing on that yet. We don't know anything yet about that, um, but we'll find out. Uh, I think it's very possible. I mean, it seems very convenient. His other properties are in Vegas and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like, very convenient. Mm-hmm. I know. There's a reason for that, clearly. <laughs> so I, I think it's very possible that he might be connected to murders in those states eventually. Yeah, I don't with when you look at the timing of how he ended these women, I just don't think that it's only these four. There's no way that that urge, that drive, it's like it, it's something that can't be controlled for most of the people like him. Yep. And did you know that even though they used his DNA from that piece of pizza and connected him to these women that his DNA didn't go in a database because he's not convicted of the crimes. That was asked at a press conference, and the police said, well, actually, it's it's kind of complicated. Like, their DNA doesn't just go straight into a data, database when they're arrested. Like, there's a lot of, you know, legal stuff that has to happen for yeah, that to happen. I get it. And I was like, what? I thought if you just get arrested, like, your fingerprints go on file. If you're accused of something this heinous, no, your DNA goes into the system. arrested doesn't make, make you guilty of a crime. Therefore, you're not state's property or the fed's property. 
I thought that was interesting. Wild, huh? Yep. But anyway, um, I just want to mention her interview, which I I do want to watch it on live stream with you because I want you to see it, the long version of it, because there's some short ones going around. But she went on CNN and she went on a podcast. And the first one I saw, which I think is the very first one she did, was this podcast, which I will find it and post it here because I can't remember the name. But she met him online. Uh, She was hard up for money. She had issues with addiction back then. This was before she had kids. And she said she was real small back then, like 120 pounds, like petite, like the victims. And she agreed to meet him at a restaurant because she actually had some safety checks. She showed her sister his picture Um, not a name because they were using fake names online Mm -hmm. and said, this is where I'm going, this restaurant, you know, just to be safe work. I'm telling you. So, and she, she would only meet with him to have dinner before doing anything else. Like she wouldn't go anywhere. So she wanted to meet in a public place. She meets him. She said he was giant and she said his size was intimidating and he used it in an intimidating way. Really? She said when she shook his hand, she's like, nobody should have that hard of a handshake. She said it's aggressive. That's funny because that's like the third time I've heard that about him. Yep. People at his work say that too. Yeah. She met him at the restaurant and they, she said he seemed like a normal dude once they sat down and they were talking and then he was like, hey, um, are you into true crime? And she was like, uh, yeah, actually, I really like true crime. And he's like, did you hear about the Gilgo Beach murders? No way. <laughs> yeah. and, and she's like, yeah, actually. And they get into it and talking about it. And he's, she said he's like, it, it really like set off alarm bells how just into it he was. No like he was way. almost like this was, it was this fantasy. Like he was reliving it, she said. And um, he got very specific and said, how do you think? They didn't get caught, like, or they didn't find the bodies, you know, and stuff. And she's like, well, I, I don't, I don't know, because I don't know the entry points, like, to the beach and stuff. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that much about that part. And he's like, well, he said, wouldn't it make sense to put them in a burlap sack and, like, go trekking through the marshes and dump them there then like they would decompose quick like he started going into details and stuff like it would be hard it would be hard to find them you guys and she got nervous yeah and she was freaked out and she they had an like he was really pushy and um wanting her to go back with him and he told her he lives near the beach the gilgo beach and she was like uh No, no. Good. And he wanted her to leave her car there in the city. And she was like, and he would not accept her bringing her car. And she was just like, nope. And she's like, it was like one of those situations where you go like tell the bartender a code word so that they know you're in trouble. Um, And she got out of there and survived. And now she's like completely turned her life around. And she's... um, a stylist um, and six doesn't have a drug problem anymore, has kids. And she said something I thought was really important is that she had the chance to do that. And none of these women did like none of these women 
had the chance to turn their life around. All of them were hard up for money and resorted to prostitution. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, 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 and, no. I'm an advocate for I adult I totally work. believe sex work should be legal. Yep. I don't think women should have to turn to the streets and be unsafe like this. I agree. Serial killers should not have the chance to hurt women like this. They need to have safety too, though. I, f- I feel like in these situations, a lot of... Uh, a lot of these women could have been saved if, uh, if you just I don't make it look like you were dropped off there by somebody, or let the person you're with know that you know somebody's waiting up for you. Like, there's a lot of different things yeah, you can do, like safety checks, like calling a friend and being like, "Hey, I am here with this guy." Um, yes. Just letting you know I'm yes. here, and I will call you when I leave. If I don't call you in an hour. Yeah, yeah. Check no, on me. I, that's probably and the best one, honestly. And do it in front of them. In front yeah. of them. So yeah. that they know somebody is looking out for you and is going to call the police if you don't turn up within yes. this amount of time. Yep. And they know exactly where you are. Exactly. That will deter them 100%. That would stop anything, anytime, And meet absolutely. them in public like she did first. Yep. Like, no, we have to go to dinner first. Yep. That's how you do it. So... You know, that's I, interesting. It though. is it is interesting, and I would like to watch the full thing. I didn't get to see the entire thing, but I saw the meat of it. And um, there's been a lot of people from his childhood, neighbors, people trying to sell stuff from his childhood, um, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Who the heck wants to own? It's called murderbilia. Murderbilia is what they're calling it. Like, who wants to own something from this creep? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I love, like, talking about and discussing true crime and serial yeah, killers and contemplating too. it. But I don't love the serial killers, and I sure as hell don't want their creepy stuff. Like, Mm-mm. bad energy. Yeah. But, yeah, there's many people that just said he was, he was a recluse, he was quiet, but he was scary at the same time. Well... He's huge, man. He was big. Apparently, he was um, he was weird, uh, but they didn't think it would lead to this. But at the same time, well, they weren't shocked by it. He apparently was everybody's punching bag until high school when he like jumped up, had a growth spurt. Well, and one thing I want to point out too, if you guys haven't watched that interview with the guy from that, like the housing industry or whatever in New York that did an interview with him, um, I felt like it was awkward the whole time. I watched a professional body language expert watch it, and he wasn't pointing out the things that I saw. And and you guys, I'm in high-intensity sales and have been forever, and I depend on reading people's body language. And I could tell watching that Rex Heuerman interview that he Rex Heuerman was staged the entire time the way I could tell was how far his elbows were from his body like when someone's comfortable you you just let loose you don't have your arms all tense your elbows are normally leaned up against your body he was a bigger guy in the middle so like they definitely would have leaned up against his body but he sat real up and in composure and straight and this super awkward position which like 
like flanked him out, you know, to where he appeared bigger and the way he was moving his hands was really unnatural in the way that I could tell, like that's what somebody does that's practiced in front of a mirror, you know, it is not natural. And the expert wasn't pointing that out, but I 100% felt like that. Go watch it again and you'll see what I'm talking about. Even his neck movements. And the reason why I felt like in that interview, there were two different spots where he was reliving the those endings a couple times because you could see his genuine facial expressions come out and he fights them back. So it's when he's talking about being a hammer and uh, it's when he is talking about um, something to do with the beach. So, yeah. So um, I, I watched the behavior panel uh, watch that and it's a group of four body language experts and they all give their take on each clip. And they talked about his hand movements. Saying, no way. Yeah. Good. That they were like um, aggressive, I think is the word. That they're they practiced. They're, yeah. Yeah. And they could tell he had practiced like Good. speaking to people. And uh, because that's what he does. Like he he's an architect that has his own staff, which apparently yep. isn't normal because they normally outsource. And he basically teaches the city their own codes he yep. and that's one thing they pointed out is that in every situation like every time he can he puts other people down to put himself above mm-hmm. everyone else yeah and and that was like uh, that was big for me i was like yeah he totally does every chance he gets he acts like everyone is stupid and he's got to be yes. the educator he's got to be the one to tell him yeah and which again a doll yeah you're forming this person. You're getting them to do what you want them to do. You if know? you haven't I'm seen the behavior you. panel, you should watch it. I haven't. I haven't there, seen it's, it. It's pretty good. I don't always like see what they're seeing, but I, I do think the combined of all of their opinions, like get, I think that was a really smart idea to get all yeah. four of these people. And the British guy is my favorite I, <laughs> with the longer hair. I feel like my body language reading is really, really good, but I'm my own judge. So I could just have a big head and really suck at it. But uh, I feel like I usually get stuff pretty spot on most of the time. So. Yeah. And, you're coming from like a more experienced self-taught, self-taught. lived so yeah. you're going to describe it in, in like the way you're going to describe it's going to be a little different it than is. like someone who has studied it in school yeah. but you could be picking up on like similar things yeah um but that's pretty much it for the updates i mean oh the town might buy his house that's another thing is the city is to might, tear it down so they don't get it. people obsessively coming yeah. there. They like have to patrol. <laughs> they have to patrol it constantly right now because tons of people are going there and like selfie with of the course. serial killer's house. Yeah. <laughs> just, Dude, if I was there, I would just saying. I, I don't know if I would be out there laughing, be like, ha selfie. No, I think I would like probably take a picture or a video for like content i don't know if it would be like but i wouldn't i don't wouldn't do a selfie i don't think it's like about comedy it's an eerie feeling knowing that a man so evil he could do this to these women in this way and this is only the few we know about and he lived there for so many years multiple decades like you want to be able to 
take in those feelings and sensations, you know. There's a lot of people out there who have this sixth sense where they feel like energies and those things around them. And, like, that's what I'm – that's what why I would want to be in those spots, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is to see the sense of feeling that I get from that area, you know. Does it feel bad? Does yeah. it feel negative? Does it – yeah, uh, so one more that thing to stuff. mention is that was his childhood home, so a lot of people were speculating that he it was kind of a, a dump and a cluttered mess because he was holding on to his childhood. Like, he wanted to keep it exactly the same the way his father mm. did because he was following in his father's footsteps to an extent. His father uh, was... An engineer, what was he? Yeah, he, he worked on the space station or space yeah, shuttle or whatever. But yep, he also built furniture in his free time. Yes. And it seems like his father was a figure in his life. And it almost makes me wonder. If his dad was a serial killer. Yes. Yep, I thought the same and thing. And that's so, why he looks up to him so much and wants to keep the house exactly the way his dad kept it. I I agree. Uh, and that's super interesting for, for you guys out there watching. It's been proven that DNA holds so much more than we even realize to the point where it carries over trauma, okay? So, like, if you had really bad, horrible trauma, which has affected you negatively your whole life, and then you have a child, there's a very good chance that that child could be susceptible to those same kinds of feelings more so than somebody who doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Like these little remnants of the trauma and whatnot. Now, sociopathy, ADHD, all these other things that, that we deal with, seeing serial killers and other things, those are being looked into as being transferred to. So it's very possible that uh, that I mean, I'm just saying what I know. I have ADHD, okay? So yeah, I but you know said that things ADHD, we see in serial killers. <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah. Um, ADHD myself in serial killers, sociopathy. But um, they're figuring out that all that gut d- travels from in your genetics and DNA, you know? And yeah. it might not be at a 10. So, like, if I have – if I'm a sociopath and I'm, like, the most extreme form and it gets passed down to a child of mine, they could be anywhere on that scale, but they're way more likely to be a part of that scale. Hmm. So. Interesting. It but is. That concludes, like, the updates into, you know, Rex Hearman and the Gilgo Beach murders. I, yeah. I really hope that he gets charged with more, to be honest, um, and we find out what happened to a lot of these. There's still so many people. We don't know what happened to them. Yep. So Rightfully charged. Yeah. I, I want to... I hope he. I hope it gets to a point where he realizes, like, look, I'm never getting out. So my wife left me. My kids probably won't talk to me anymore, and uh, I might as well just come out because serial killers, unfortunately, want the glory of what they did to those people. However, like, I think police and everyone should stroke their ego to make them want that glory more, so that we can get closure for victims. Yep. Okay, let them feel like they're glorious. Who cares? They're going to be in jail. The forever in multiple lifetimes so you know what i mean at least we can get closure for victims and find out what happened and things like that so i agree but let us know what you think uh if you have anything to add because it's a lot there's a lot floating around out there about this Uh, the amount of evidence in this is insane it is is mountains it just makes mountains of proof it makes you like wonder 
how it didn't uh, get solved earlier, but then you hear about the police corruption and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why. Someone commented saying something along the lines of uh, the police were in on it that's why and i i don't think a that's lot of people believed that because that the police chief at the time was involved with prostitutes and was extremely corrupt and is now in prison for it yeah. um that he could have been connected in some way but i don't i don't think, I don't so. think so yep yeah. having having an issue with wanting to hook up with women or he just cared about himself more than he did the women yep well he cared more about himself than the safety of his public because he was the one, too, that kept uh, the FBI away from giving their assistance and figuring out who did this. We probably would have found out way a long, long, long time ago, 10 years ago, if he wasn't so afraid of the FBI coming after him, which they did anyways, so it was pointless. Yep. All you did is put your public at risk, so... I know. It's yep. so horrible. All right, you guys, just coming off of one serialist into a potential another, we are giving another update on Brian Koberger here. So, on today, uh, alleged, actually. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> uh, it's funny how many people really want you to use that word when I, I'd rather give a blanket statement. Everything coming out of my mouth is opinion that I'm we're all just hoping for the best, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, going into it here. So the Honorable Public Defender Ann Taylor here uh, electronically filed on 728 today at 823 a.m. A notice of hearing, okay? Notice is hereby given that Brian C. Koberger, by and through his attorney, Ann C. Taylor, public defender, will call on for hearing the below motions in the above entitled manner on August 18th, 2023 at 10.30 a.m., or as soon thereafter as counsel may be heard in front of the Honorable Judge John Judge, okay? And then it's in this order. Defendant's third motion to compel, filed June 22nd, 2023. Defendant's second motion to stay, proceedings filed July 25th, 2023. Defendant's motion to dismiss indictment on grounds of error in grand jury instructions or in the alternative remand for preliminary hearing, filed July 25th, 2023. So, I'm assuming... A lot of people that watch our Koberger videos are are up on this case, okay? So have you heard of the two big documents that's come out? Kind of, yeah. So uh, we have what what's being talked about here, the, the motion to dismiss, and okay? And the alibi, right? And the alibi, yes. So we have here the prosecution... Um, Comes now, so this was submitted on the 27th. And let me say, I watched a couple of videos on the alibi, and I still don't totally understand what the heck is going yeah, on. Yeah, I'll explain it. So, on the 27th, okay, the prosecution submits, comes now the state of Idaho by and through the Lataw County prosecuting attorney and respectfully moves the court for an order compelling the defense to comply in full with Idaho, Idaho Code 19-519 and ICR 12.1 and provide the state 
with notice of an alibi that may be offered herein, said notice to include one, the specific place or places at which the defendant claims to have been at the time of the burglary and homicides in this case, and two, the names and addresses of all witnesses upon whom the defendant intends to rely to establish such an alibi. So, we'll start with the alibi here. What does that mean, okay? So this is the prosecution submitting a, uh, a motion to compel the defense to come forward with this alibi. From the beginning, we've heard Ann Taylor talking about Brian Koberger having an alibi, offering up an alibi, okay? I know a lot of internet sleuths out there have been talking about, well, they're investigating and coming up with the evidence to prove what his alibi is, whether I've heard he was driving for DoorDash, Grubhub, he was with somebody else, or whatever. Um, So this is the prosecution saying, hey, it's time. You're coming up on a deadline, okay? So for any grand jury trial, there are deadlines for this information and evidence to come forward so that both parties, the, the prosecution and the defense, have time to look it over, okay? And that is what's fair in this situation, right? Even though we saw the prosecution pulling some mega low blows. Now, Ann Taylor has pushed this off multiple times saying, look, judge, we need more time to look through the giant data bomb that the prosecution has given us, okay? We, we're looking at thousands of videos, hundreds of hours, thousands of, of documents, not thousands of videos, thousands of documents, hundreds of hours of video, um, and we need to go through everything to know what to do best, okay? Now, the statement with the alibi is them saying where Yes, this is gray area matter in, in where they came forward, but they came forward saying, yes, we are going to present an alibi. We are going to present an alibi in full compliance of the Idaho code, okay? Now, what that means, though, is that they're telling the prosecution that, yes, we are going to be providing an alibi for you. However, since they have not submitted uh, any eyewitnesses, since they have not submitted any like f- picture proof, video proof or anything like that, they can no longer submit that. It has hit the expiration date. Their alibi. It was the expiration date was like July twenty fourth or the something. The expiration like that. date, yeah. It was either I think it was the twenty fifth, but um, their expiration date to submit new evidence or eyewitnesses or whatever has expired so yeah but it's up to the judge he can act he can accept it if he wants but he does not have to because they want if he wants everyone needs to be real careful here because like uh, people are still cut down the middle here they are so emotionally connected to their idea of whether brian koberger is innocent or guilty you know they are people are so bought in online whether it could go one way or the other and i i think it could go either way i think so too maybe he's a little bit 
uh, guilty in this by being a driver. Maybe he has nothing to do with this. I have no idea. There could be so many different possibilities, okay? But basically what Ann Taylor is, is coming forward and saying is that um, we are going to give an alibi, but most likely what that means is it's going to be uh, Brian Koberger's statement of alibi of where he was, what he was doing, which everybody knows. There's not a whole lot of worth in that. Anybody can say anything. Okay? Yeah, that's not a real alibi. Right. Well, that that's still considered an alibi, even if there even if there's no way to verify it. So that's what they're talking about. They're going to present it. Okay. They're going to use uh, eyewitness accounts or, or expert statement accounts on uh, the validity of his alibi and how it's possible, not possible, things like that. That's all well so, within the law of this alibi that Ann Taylor has given. So what I so what I've seen people saying is, if you were accused of killing these kids and you were innocent you would absolutely have an alibi. And I'm thinking, dude, if you are a single college guy who lives alone and you were just chilling at home, uh, <clears throat> or you went out driving around that night, or you went to go hook up with a girl, or I don't know, like you, there's ways you could not have an alibi. Absolutely. Hooking up with a girl, obviously you would. But you know what I mean? Things you were doing by yourself where there wouldn't be any immediate evidence or eyewitnesses and you would have to dig and search for maybe security camera footage or something, you know, yeah. it and could be hard. Here, here's an example. We, okay? we do know he was out away from Pullman, Washington that night though. His phone did go to yeah, Moscow. But, but we saw the, the unreliability of those phone pings. Okay. You guys, if you guys haven't seen that video, you really need to watch it because all those phone pings mean is that he was within 180 degrees of one side of that phone tower. Phone towers are shaped like a triangle, and the reliability is only that, okay, you're on this side of the phone well, tower over and here. I saw, so it, I saw they experts, aren't I it. saw experts in articles saying that that was unreliable. Yeah. And I saw maps of like the cell towers in that whole area and stuff, and them saying that it's not perfect evidence no. and i saw and this was not even mm -hmm. like youtubers speculating this was like people that work in the industry and you also worked in the industry and i saw a lot of people saying that's not a smoking gun at all no nope. and it is super unreliable because of the one cell tower that covers that town yep um but i do think they would be able to tell because he wasn't in pullman where he lives he lives in pullman and it it's early in the morning and for some reason he's in moscow it depends on the placement of that tower you got to remember that tower covers 27 square miles okay so if that one side includes the house and his uh residence where he stays then no you have no idea there, we have no idea, none whatsoever, okay? It could just be changing mini cells because in each side of those towers, there's multiple mini cells there. But going back to what I was saying, one thing I wanted to give an example to you guys on is uh, one thing I like to do 
is go is drive while listening to like true crime or politics or updates or documentaries or whatever, whatever podcast I'm into during that time. Uh, he could totally have been doing that and not be guilty. Yeah, but it, the time of day is a bit odd to be doing. Is that. it? Yeah, like 3 and 4 a.m., yeah. I mean, think of when he was raided at his parents' house. He was up. I think he has that schedule. Is it that weird for a college kid? I know I'm up at 3 and 4 a.m., usually at least once or twice a week. Yeah, okay? not out driving around listening to a podcast, though. No, I'm. if I lived alone, maybe. Maybe. If I'm getting stir-crazy... Do we know if it was a Friday weekend? I actually don't remember what day the week it was. I don't remember what day it's on, but I think all of those things are plausible, though. I really, really do. I'm not going to cast doubt on what he enjoys doing. And I've met tons of people in my life that enjoy driving, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. They, it calms them down. Or maybe if you have, like, ADHD like I do, just seeing so many things at once going past you helps my brain work. It helps it calm down. I guess it and, would make sense you if know, he was a DoorDash driver. Yep. yep. And then turned That's us, what I was just saying. And then yeah, it, he could have been DoorDash, and it's a college town. They right. don't stop. Yeah, that time yep. of night would be ideal for DoorDash because people are drunk and, you know, want food. Yes. So it, it wouldn't be an odd time to be doing DoorDash deliveries. It might actually be prime time. Yep. Um, but going on that, well, then why did he turn his phone off if he's doing DoorDash deliveries? Maybe because he walked in on a crime scene. Or it died or a million other things, right? So it, this is why they're working so hard to get this thrown out, okay? So we've covered his alibi, all right? Now, what you were talking about earlier is sure. Ann Taylor could come forward. Let's say they get the evidence. They get something they've been waiting on. They were able to pull somebody's footage showing his car somewhere way different from where the crimes were. And uh, they get that evidence and they bring it forward to the judge. The judge absolutely can allow that into the case. And I honestly think that the judge would be crazy not to. However... That's a gamble still because the judge might not if it's not strong enough, if uh, it seems easily manipulatable, uh, that judge could say, no, it's past the deadline. We aren't including that. And there's nothing they can do about no, that. At this nothing, point, because, okay? because they passed the deadline, it is totally in the judge's hands now. And I saw a lawyer um, reacting to this, and I actually really like him. I just found his channel. But he was talking about it, and he said, if it's a reasonable judge, like assuming the best, if Ann Taylor comes in there and says, look, we really wanted to make the deadline, but we needed this specific witness and we could not get a hold of them to meet the deadline. But we have an alibi with a witness that uh, will corroborate you're it. about the lawyer you know or whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's a, he's, um. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But anyway, he was talking about that and he was like, if he's re- like, he would be crazy not to accept that. He but would. But now if they're like, if it's something else. In the else, pursuit of justice. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
then Correct. like he can make a judgment call based off of what she's actually presenting. But now, it needs if it's to be just, rock solid. If it's just his, right. If it's yep. not something that's like, okay, there's something to this, then he probably would not allow it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. He's also speculate, speculating, like you said, if they're just going to use Koberger's statement as his alibi, like him being on the stand as yeah. his alibi. Well, I... Okay, I and and people like I'm glad you said it in that way, right? Because you said that almost jokingly like it could be funny if they just use him as an alibi. But you got to remember to create doubt, you could take Brian Koberger's alibi paired with some kind of driving expert, okay? And he says, look, I wasn't here. We have your own evidence showing my car at this spot at this time, then my car at this spot at this time. I'm telling you, I didn't drive this way. I drove this way, okay? And because the speed limit's higher over here and it's lower over there, you actually get there in the same amount of time. And then having an expert come up and corroborating that, yes, that is absolutely possible and it's actually more likely and this is why i think that that could create some serious doubt you're right you know it could. um and that's totally within the possibility in this situation right now i am very curious to see what they have up their sleeves for this alibi if they do or if they're putting all their eggs in the basket to um to get the to get this dropped, the um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank right now. The uh, the grounds of error for the um, what's the case called? The grand jury. The grand jury. Yeah, get the grand jury. The grand jury indictment. They actually Correct. saw more talk. Yep. more about this that they believe that the jury was misled. That's what we're gonna get into here. So, uh, on on that request motion to dismiss indictment on grounds of error in grand jury instructions or in the alternative remand for preliminary hearing that means taking some steps back and redoing the grand jury hearing so yep. we have comes now Brian C. Koberger, by and through their attorney, J. Weston Logsdon, chief deputy litigation, and hereby moves this honorable court for an order either dismissing the indictment in this matter or to treat it as a presentment and remand for a preliminary hearing before a magistrate. This motion is made on the grounds that the grand jury was misled as to the standard of proof required for an indictment misled as to the standard of proof required for an indictment. And I think where this is interesting, a lot of people out there, myself included, you guys, I didn't know until I started looking into this, but I had no idea that there were stipulations for the grand jury when they convene to vote and agree on whether this is going to a grand jury trial or not. Okay. Now, what we're hearing is that for whatever reason, okay, this grand jury was misled that the expected or accepted standard of proof that Koberger is tied to this case was like, let's say we're using a one through 10 chart. They were misled that, you know, it could be anywhere before 
from one to five strength, when in reality, a grand jury should be without a doubt, 100% you have enough evidence to tie my defendant to this case. It should have been graded somewhere up between five to 10, seven to 10 rank on strength, essentially. And this is a really good comparison. In order for this to move forward, the evidence should have looked like Rex Hewermans. Yeah, and maybe not even that extensive. Maybe maybe a little even less. Not but what I heard from lawyers. Lawyers are saying grand jury evidence needs to be without doubt. Yeah, well, see, the grand jury for the Ramsey case, which we covered last week, uh, they actually moved to indict the parents, but the DA disagreed with the jury and felt like there wasn't enough and said, no, we're not going to press charges. Oh, wow. I so, am glad for that. That would have been horrible. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, and they were really more there for neglect and putting okay. Benet Ramsey or John Benet Ramsey. She in was like, in a room. Well, they're, they're saying they put her in a position for this to happen and were <sighs> neglectful. I don't agree with no, that. No, that's messed up. I do not agree with that. Do I think that the whole pageant thing and putting her up, you know... Yep. A lot of parents do that, though, like, mm-hmm. and, and not all of them get into these kinds of situations. And they were in a big, nice home and like, you know, yeah. so I just I, I don't know how that worked, but I find it interesting that the grand jury wanted to indict them. And the DA was like, nah, this isn't strong enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. So that means I, the DA can override a grand jury, even if they were misled. Well, sure they can. They're in control so every, of that. Yeah. So every, the DA and the grand jury, nobody caught that this is not enough proof to tie him to it. It needs to be stronger. Like, y'all need to go back out in the field and do some more investigating and then bring it back to our attention. I or I are there I hear Is you. there evidence we don't know? It's sealed. There's a gag order. So there's stuff we don't know. Okay. So then I look at it as one of two ways, okay? What Ann Taylor is is doing right now is working around the gag order by getting public bought into thinking and believing that the evidence against Koberger isn't strong. And she's not actually submitting this request to have the grand jury... Reconvened. Reconvened or the indictment removed with the intention of that happening. She's doing it to get the public to think that there's not enough evidence, okay? Totally possible. Totally it, possible. To start creating doubt, these ideas that it, the case is mishandled and there's not enough proof. And, you know, like getting that going, that whole idea. Yep. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think there is enough doubt here it, for myself, okay? And I agree when you with look that. at the police officers and and the stuff these police officers did was well before the Brian Koberger stuff but here's the thing it was recent enough for it to matter you know um and that is there's a reason why Ann Taylor was asking for three very specific police officers training records uh work history and things of that nature if you guys haven't watched the live stream where we talk over the story of two of those police officers being involved in a very shady situation it's scary it's scary to think that police could act like that okay and yes it creates doubt for any investigation they're involved in. So Ann Taylor could be leaning on all these all these 
points of weakness in the trial to create doubt to get uh, the jury on his side, to get public on Koberger's side. I, I, I think it's totally possible I do. Um, but I can also see there being some factual basis to the standard not meeting the criteria because I, I don't it's... feel like the current evidence meets that standard of no doubt he is definitely part of it. I know. And and you can take that's what's funny about this evidence. You can take it and twist it to make it look so solid or slam dunk. Yeah, like a slam dunk case like his DNA is on the crime scene. He that cell tower puts him in the area at that time. This and this. But then when you look into the details of that evidence, mm-hmm. there's doubt there. there which is. is what a jury's going to do and the experts are going to do and the defense is going to do. They're going to poke holes in all of it and give, you know, um, count. they're going to counter it with other experts. It so it's like, is this solid enough at its foundation when someone comes poking holes with contradictory evidence that it's going to hold up. I I agree with you. I think it was all the way it was worded and the prosecution did a really good job about painting a picture of Koberger and then attacking with that gag order because, yes, they brought forward the DNA evidence failing to let people know that touch DNA in, in the in the science world is considered a pseudoscience. It's not even acceptable in military court. They do not allow it because it is such a pseudoscience. It is so unreliable that NCIS or any of the other factions are not allowed to use the touch DNA in military court. That says something, okay? It does. We were told this was a slam dunk based on some of these things. Now, the cell phone tower... It covers a 27-mile radius. You divide that by three because there's three sides of the tower, three areas it could connect on. It could also connect to two, by the way. That means that Brian Koberger could be any, let's just go with one side, could be somewhere in a 10-mile radius. That is not good evidence in placing somebody at a scene. 10 miles, you guys. At a single piece of property, a single house, which is what they're trying to say, that he was literally there. I know. With this evidence. Like traveling there, no. He was traveling somewhere in this 10-mile range we don't on know. one side of the cell phone and tower. And they're using these blurry security camera footage of his car, and there's no license plate. There's no way. There's 22,000 white Hyundai Elantras in this town. Yeah, in that general area. Yeah. And then there's also other footage coming out, and I think it's being done intentionally to continue trying to paint him but you know we saw that one i don't know if it's called the linda lane footage where it shows the white car like doing a three-point turn to turn around dude anybody that owns a bmw okay will know right away that is a bmw you can tell by the back fender you can tell by the scoops behind the front wheels like those are only bmw traits that is not a hyundai elantra with you know black 20 inch rims on them dual exhaust and a a, moon, a sunroof that covers the whole thing it's a bmw x4m a very specific car that's over a hundred thousand dollars like there's there's not gonna be that many of them around you know yeah um and, uh, and yeah, none of it is a slam dunk, but to be fair, 
any of this could also mean that Brian Koberger's guilty. I don't want people to mistake our questions as us being bought into and being innocent. I, that is not it at all. What I'm bought into is that I do not agree with the current storyline. Yeah, and and what I want at the end of the day is justice. I, Absolutely. I, and I want the real killer caught. Like, I don't want to have doubts that this man is going to be put to death by a firing squad. (laughs) (laughs) And he's innocent, and there's a real killer out there. And if you want a good alternative theory, which I've actually seen more content creators talking about it lately, you got to check out last week's uh, drug theory. Yes. Because that is really interesting. Like, when you presented all of the evidence, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was that many correlations and coincidences. It, it's kind of crazy. You know, I figured out more with that, too. Like, there is a local contact at, at the sorority that says that uh, one day before, they threw out a large quantity of dope in the neighbor's trash can. What? Confirmed. So when they were talking about, oh, I told Adam everything, they were talking about dope. And there are also people in the local area saying that the students knew that were associated with that circle that they were worried about getting roughed up because they don't, didn't want to do it anymore. Something happened and they were worried about getting roughed up and, and nobody expected them to be ended over this. It was. It's not like they had a million dollars worth of dope in that house. What they probably had is maybe a thousand dollars worth of dope. Yeah, and and it makes me curious. So if Koberger's not the guy, and say this really was like a somehow had to do with like a cartel, drug dealers, something like that, like career criminals, like legit criminals that ended them. Um, How did Koberger become the suspect? Because you know what I saw is that they connected Koberger and and considered him a suspect just because he was at the university and drove that car. That's it. Yeah. No connection to the victims. There's just a guy... That was like, oh, this guy, he, he works at the university and he drives a white Hyundai Elantra. And, and at, okay. And they so, were like, oh, okay, that is him. What they're looking for <laughs> is that the case was built backwards. And that, I, I believe that Ann Taylor, based on how she's handling this and the way she's managing this, truly thinks that Brian Koberger is innocent. I really, I think really, so too. really do. She's fighting with how very hard. she is. Yeah. And I think what they were looking for is that statement account taken by, taken by one of those two police officers that we talked about in that different situation with the, the doctor that got falsely charged and all this stuff. They took this information, thought it was a banger, like thought there was something to it, and they solved this thing, brought it to their superiors and was like, look, boss, I have a feeling like this is it. This is the guy we've been looking for, you know. They're all hyped up on emotions and wanting to get this guy. There's so much pressure coming from the school. So they realize and do some research and a background on him. Oh, dude, the car doesn't match. What do you mean the car doesn't match? Pull him up. Let's see. I mean, they look very similar. Okay, let's change the year now of the vehicle that we're looking for because obviously this is our guy. That can 
that can be the reasoning why the year of the car changed all of a sudden. Just like the murder times changed. Just like the murder times changed too, yes. Um, But uh, you should, that VOD where we read the full document about that framed doctor um, by the police. We should probably do a video on it, a pre-record, What what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a a thumbnail for it so it's easily identifiable and you need to post that on the screen when you mention it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, So that you guys can go find it because we read through the entire thing and it's really interesting. And it reads like a story and what the cool thing is is we actually pulled up pictures so you can see exactly who what where and how and how a police officer was directly involved in the location that the bullet came from that falsely accused this doctor like do it is wild you guys it's a wild story and it's told like a story in the document um and it's it's official it it is a hundred percent real authentic court document yeah yeah but anyways that is the update for this week we'll have something new next week we're gonna stay on top of this i'm hooked i'm bought in and i hope you guys are too and you enjoy coming along the ride with us let us know how you feel about this do you think they're onto something by presenting Brian Koberger's alibi in this way? Do you, how do you think they're going to present it? Do you have any experience in um, the court system and, and you've seen this before and you know what direction they're going to go based off past cases, which is what a lot of lawyers use to give them a frame of reference for planning for future cases, okay? Um, what do you think about Ann Taylor asking to get this entire thing dropped and or reassessed in the same way but the corrected standard of proof required for the indictment do you think she's going to get any movement on this do you think that if we're able to not we're if she's able to change the social perception of brian koberger where you have people swayed more okay he could be innocent maybe he could be guilty maybe are we going to see the judge become more lenient to these things like coming back and looking at the indictment on the grand jury you know um is do you think that's her possible plan and play here what do you think let us know anything Absolutely. I'm super bought into this case. I know. It just gets more interesting as more and more as more comes out. And the external factors like the background of these police officers like blows me away. I cannot believe that we have actual evidence proof that a police officer threatened a county coroner to not be an eyewitness when he was a real eyewitness in that case. And that same police officer that did that was working evidence on the Koberger case. Yeah, and he also stalked the doctor after he was cleared. After he was convicted and then later cleared, he stalked him. It's insane. And he's still a police officer to this day. Wild. But check it out. Let us know what you think. And we'll talk soon about this. Yep. Another serial killer. This is just the podcast, episode 32 of Serial Killers. I mean, I love my serial killers Like it, when it comes to researching their psyche. That's that what's relevant right now, though. I agree, yeah. but it is super relevant right now. They just keep popping up left and right. So, this is about the Portland like alleged serial killer, Jesse Calhoun. 
This was being speculated about for a while. People on the internet, the community in Portland, um, have been saying they thought a serial killer was picking off women for a while now, um, months. And all of the bodies were found this year. So... Just in the past couple weeks, we finally got a suspect. The police were denying it. Like, there is no connection. Uh, Stop stop sleuthing. You know, it's dangerous to speculate this way, that kind of stuff. Now, the police have not confirmed. It was actually the DA's office who finally said, yes, we we found a link between uh, four of the victims to Jesse Calhoun, and they finally yep. said who he was. Now, he is not on the streets. He is in jail because he violated his parole, while, and they're keeping him in there, obviously. Thank God, and they're investigating this. You know what's interesting? I, f- <clears throat> I find, not, not, not to interrupt you here, uh, but... Uh, but you are. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, is the, the different description of serial killer i feel like we even see like mainstream media news content creators everything using two different definitions of serial killer because you guys when we talk about a serial killer we're talking about somebody that has three or more in a repetitive fashion similar way um ending people under their belt that is what the definition of serial is now a lot of people like to clarify out there the difference between that kind the definition and like your 1980s chainsaw nipple bell like 10 in the double digits ted bundy yes you know yes jeffrey dahmer um anybody that does this repetitively with three or more people is a serial killer and if they're not caught there's a very good chance they're going to get up there in 10, 15, turn into a Bundy, into, you know, Son of Sam, into any of these other guys. You have a a white fuzz in your hair. Something. Okay. Good? Yep. Good. So, uh, Calhoun is 38, okay? And he has a long, extensive criminal history. And I have found out a lot more since we first brought this up on stream. We've been, you know, investigating, um, watching a local, Veli Ray, who's like going to the homeless community because they got a bead on what's going on. Always. Um, and, you know, looking into this. Yeah. Well, and shout out to Veli Ray. That's really good content locally. And everything I've seen, <clears throat> he is really caring and concerns about uh, the homeless population. He brings out water to them and anything they need. Dog for food, one of theirs. Dogs, like it's incredible. So yeah, uh, shout out to you. Yep, he's awesome. And he interviewed the girlfriend, which we'll talk about here soon. Mm-hmm. But so. December 22nd of 2022, Kristen Smith, wait, 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 Kristen Smith was reported missing first? I thought Ashley was reported missing. Okay, yeah, that's, that's correct. December 22nd, 2022, Kristen Smith, who was 22 years old, which is funny, 22, 22, 22, 
That just hit me. <laughs> uh, she was reported missing. Then, February 19th, 2023, she was found dead in mm. Portland. Uh, April 4th, 2023, they got a missing person report for Ashley Real, the Portland Police Bureau. Then April 24th, so later that month, 2023, Charity Perry was found deceased uh, in Multnomah County, and she was 24. April 30th, 2023, Bridget Leanne Ramsey Webster, I'm, people go by Ramsey or Webster, like they, they say both, I'm not sure. really sure what it is, but she was 31, and she was found uh, deceased in Polk County. May 7th, 2023, Ashley Real, finally, several months later, or two months later, I think, or is it a month, April, May, it's a month, uh, found dead in Clackamas County. So there are two more people. One is unidentified. The other one is not supposedly connected, uh, at least that they found so far. And these bodies are all within a 100-mile radius, and Portland's, like, basically in the middle. Mm. So they found the links to those four. And, but before that, everybody, like, all these women, it seems, were found in a similar fashion, like, dumped on the side of a road. And they all have a similar background, Gosh. like, using drugs and um, prostituting and, you know, living that life, like, the street yeah. life. So they're all you know, young, they're all petite, and they all are living the street life. Like, Which that's already funny. a connection. And people online were taking notice. And just now, we get to find out that they actually knew him. And we yeah. first found out because Aveli Ray did that interview. He's literally the one that broke that clue like where they know for sure that he was connected to two yeah. of them which was ashley and bridget because he had videos on his phone of them nude doing drugs and one in a sex act mm -hmm. and his girlfriend found them and yep. told veli ray on the video we hear lots of other things that's insight into his life like how he was into aggressive sexual things and would get mad at her when she didn't want didn't to do feel it comfortable doing it he had to degrade her to be able to yeah yeah oh and what uh what i was saying too uh because i said and what's funny i i didn't mean what you were talking about what's funny is it's so obvious all these women are of similar build similar age most of them have dark hair uh or red which is a darker red hair color they're all and white the police were coming out saying no these women there's no connection there is no similarities here what there, there's definite similarities do they all look identical no but uh, there's they're all within like a younger age range 20s to 30 early 30s and um they all, all are like shorter women they're all petite. smaller yep. they're skinny and their lifestyle is all identical yep it's all yep. the same and they all have darker hair none of yep. them were like blonde hair blue eyes or anything like that they i think they were very similar so yeah i agree and unfortunately we have no idea how they died there has been no coroner report i can tell you they haven't looked into it 
We have a theory that it was strangulation mm -hmm. um, because of just things from the girlfriend and learning about him. Um, and obviously drugs and videoing them. There's something to that. There is. Uh, but we, we have no idea officially how they died, the manner they were found in. No clue. Well, it's funny we found evidence after we came up with that. And I, I know I already said this, but somebody might be watching this video that didn't watch <laughs> you know the story we just I suggest about go back and watch that on but, live stream the whole interview it's yep. very interesting but I read body language for work so I feel like I'm pretty good at it and we both were sitting on live stream talking about how we think he did it and we said we think based off everything that we're hearing the size of him and oh yeah uh, we even say he's 6'4 and 260 pounds he is literally massive the same size as Rex Hewerman which these are massive scary men you guys They're 260 big. and not overweight he is all has, muscle yeah has been building but we had a theory that it was strangulation based off the things we were hearing how intimate he would want his encounters to be and and things like that and especially with them being t petite women that tends to be the build that people look for that like to strangle and then we find out later that there was actually a woman who confirmed she was strangled by him yeah, which I, we're going to talk about. Oh, okay. So Sorry, jumping ahead. You are. So this man is a career criminal, and he's been caught up in charges before. Let's talk about why he's even on the streets. Uh. So he went to jail. He was arrested um, for assault on a police officer, car theft, burglary, um, and assaulting a police dog okay Gosh. he almost killed a, a police dog by strangling, strangling it. it so he fought the wildfires um and i think it was wasn't it 2020 it doesn't say here exactly what what year it was yeah it was 2020 he helped he was a part of a group of prisoners that went out and fought the wildfires and this is like covid times and the governor kate brown commuted sentences for the inmates that helped fight the wildfires. So his sentence was reduced and he was let out after 11 months. Well, Which, side note, you guys, that should never happen. They oh, yeah. need to change the law on violent criminals. Yeah, they he's should a violent not be offender. Yes, a violent, aggressive, attacked multiple police and people, and they let him out on a reduced sentence. He shouldn't have even been allowed to go fight the fires, in my opinion. But Yeah, agreed. So, actually, he was let out 11 mon months early. Yeah, a, a year early. 11 months and some days. A, a, a year early, you guys. Yep. Wild. It, man. It, it is absolutely crazy. For a violent crazy. offender. And I'm pretty sure he has three violent offenses against him, which in California 10 years ago, that would have been life. So, the last time we know Ashley was alive was actually December of 22, according to the girlfriend. That's the last time she heard from her. Mm. I'm pretty sure, like, spoke with her. Because that's another weird thing. The girlfriend said that he was cheating on her with Ashley, 
And Ashley actually reached out to her and said, hey, like, I'm sleeping with your guy. And then she told her to stop. And then she said she took her under her wing like a daughter. Strange, I know. And, but she was still messing around with her boyfriend, like, most of the time. And by the way, her daughter is the same age as Ashley. I know. She's 21. I know. I think is what it was, yeah. So, interesting. But we have a report here saying, and this is according to Ashley Reel's father, that November 11th, he called police after his 22-year-old daughter, she was 22, showed up crying at his home and said Calhoun tried to strangle her and took her cell phone. She had marks on her neck. So he took, like, it was real. They took her to Adventist Health Hospital in Portland for treatment. Um, and he thinks that she was in his car at the time of the attack. Of course. Of course, because that's where videos of the girls were, um, in a lot of the situations. So that's interesting that it was strangling her. Like this is a reoccurring theme, like the dog. He was into aggressive things sexually. so... It's so crazy she went back out with him. I know. So they talked to the police, and they took the report. Okay, the police took the report. She said his name, told them it was Jesse Calhoun. The officer said they were familiar with him, but they didn't do anything. Nothing came of it. So she apparently was scared about helping, like, find him and stuff, but they just ended up not doing anything. You guys, that is unacceptable. I I agree. and Lives would have been saved here if charges would have been pressed, which, by the way, he already had a record with multiple aggressive offenses and would have been back in prison because of that. There is a clear escalation here. Um he was like first charged. Really? There's a clear, and I'll, I'll link this article so people can go read it because this is a good article and it's the only one I could find that detailed his criminal history well. Like, you, I couldn't yeah. find a single other article that actually went into it. Hmm. Um, but November 2007, he was drinking at Stockman's Bar in Baker City with his girlfriend, who was 22 at the time, which is weird, again. Um, Oh, no, he was 22. He was 22, I'm sorry. Okay. But he got, he suddenly exploded, apparently, and got super jealous and angry and grabbed her by the throat. Of course. Super tightly, and she couldn't breathe. He let go, and there were impressions there were red marks well he wasn't done because they left and drove home and just two miles from the bar he punched her in the head in the arm as she sat in the car (sighs) she cried and when she described it to police uh, later that night she said she was in a lot of pain that it hurt really bad Oh my so, gosh. Six Please months... tell me she never went back to oh, him. Oh, she stayed with him because six months gosh. later, he knocked her off a bicycle and dragged her 50 feet across a parking lot. She suffered head injuries. <sighs> my gosh. I know. It's crazy. So, he has two decades of 
a criminal history in Oregon. Battered woman syndrome is so scary, man. It is so scary being with abusers like this that make you feel like you need to stay with them. I know. It's it's wild. Yeah, I feel awful for these women and a lot of what what makes me feel even worse for them is people on the outside looking in don't understand how it works. So they look at these women and they think what idiots. They could just leave. All they have to do is leave. They have no concept of understanding of how that feels in that moment and how those women feel like that is their lifeline, you know? So it's like uh, if there's no food on the world and all the food comes from one person, and in order to get the food, that person has to punch you in the face a few times. Everyone would go willingly be punched in the face for that food. It's that similar type of feeling that that's their lifeline, yeah. and they're willing to look past these things and make excuses in their own head for these people. And it is a, a very dangerous syndrome that, uh, you know, m- more public information and knowledge could help a lot of these women out. I agree. Um, for sure. I, I think it's really sad, you know, hearing it. He probably abused so many women in his lifetime. Like I, so many. I bet all. Yeah. All the women every single, he's with. every single woman. Yep. And from what I know, his, from the interview with the girlfriend, like his father, uh, it sounds like he just has a father and a brother. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. And, a father uh, and a brother. there's rumors around Reddit from people who say they know him that they were bullies in school. Like yep. both him and his brother would like wait uh, somewhere it like and it. beat people up and jump it people. It sounds like it so, to me based off his history. So the first instance I have here was when he was 18 years old and police arrested him for assaulting a man in Baker County, July 2002. He was convicted of felony assault in the third degree and sentenced to 10 days in jail, three years probation. And then he ended up back in jail shortly after violating his probation for drugs. Did you say three days? Uh, no, not three days. Just shortly after. Oh, okay. Because he violated his probation. How long was he in jail? I, I'm not. Okay. He was sentenced to only 10 days in jail. Yeah, and that's three, wild for three, a felony I agree. assault. Oh, my god. And gosh. three years probation. And he violated it, like, super quick, apparently. It doesn't say how long he went. But um, for illegal drugs and failing to stay at his reported address and failing to follow the directions of his pro- and probation officer. He was also arrested in March 2005 for violating a restraining order after he allegedly threatened and harassed a woman that he had a child with, which that is the woman he had a child with, is the Mm. one that he hurt like that. that. He had a kid with her. I feel like violent offenses should always get the maximum sentence with no option of reduction. How many kids does he have? Because I'm pretty sure he had a kid with that lady. And now it's saying in 2005 he was the restraining order one is a different woman he had a child with. And then violent outbursts involving his girlfriend in East Oregon, which is the one I think I just talked about. Yeah, I don't know. What the heck? I'll, I'll try looking it up as you go. So. That's crazy. Yeah, they're talking. Okay, that is it. So, 
Anyway, there's also another account that after he was let out of jail, in May 16, 2022, a Clackamas man named Craig Wangrid filed a petition for a stalking order against Calhoun. No way. Yes. So, so apparently, stalking, violent assault, uh, abuse, verbal abuse. Oh, well, and this had to do with his current girlfriend, Krista Sonor, which is the one they did an interview with. Uh, Veli Ray did an interview with. Um, so apparently, they clashed over Wangrud, which is the guy, Craig Wangrud, um, because he spent time with him. Okay. Calhoun spending time with Wangrid's former domestic partner, Krista Sonor. So that must be his ex. Like, yeah. that could be the father of her other kid then. Which mm-hmm. she has two kids, and I think one is from Jesse and one is from her ex. Yep. Um, yep. Because he has the kids now. Yeah. He has the kids now, the father. They're not allowed to be with her right now, uh, which makes sense. But. April 29, 2022, a text message, according to Wangard's complaint, and Calhoun admitted to the fo- to following him and threatening him in a series of text messages. Quote, I know everything about you, dude. Everywhere you go, what you do, Calhoun allegedly wrote in the text message, stop effing with Krista, dude. I'm going to tell you this only once. You are a effing idiot. And then it has quotes, sick, like S-I-C. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can't get over Krista and ruining her life. And I'm here to stay. That won't be happening much longer. Put that on God. You are a cocky, ignorant son of a bee that will always get yours when the time is right. Jeez. So he has a long history of carrying out violent person-to-person crimes, including assault of a police officer, threatened me, admitted to stalking me while he's still on parole in Mahomet County, which is what Wangard wrote in his stalking order. So there, there's a lot on this yeah, guy. A lot. Then you have Ashley Real. It's just it's, over and There was over an escalation. And, over. and what's scary is... He had a history of violence. Like, it wasn't just this one-off where he assaulted a police mm-hmm. officer and a police dog. He had a history, an and extensive was still history. Let out. And was still yeah. let out. And a lot of people are saying Kate Brown is getting heat. Well-deserved. You don't just let out a bunch of violent offenders I early agree, because man. they helped fight a wildfire. I don't even think they should have got that opportunity. Why are we not giving that to the people with petty drug charges and stuff like that? Did like it the have peop- something to do with the size? I don't know. But either know, way, maybe. I don't think it's okay. I don't think that violent offenders should be allowed to work in any of the work programs. I don't think that violent offenders should be allowed to get out early. I don't think that violent offenders should be able to to do any of those extra programs at all, at all, having to do with uh, the kitchen or anything, dude. I don't think they should get any of those rights. I agree. I mean... A violent offense is much, much, much different than, like, a drug charge, a theft, something that just hurts them directly physically, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Basically, he was under post-incarceration supervision because of the investigations into these women's deaths. Great. 
Huh? Good. Yeah, right. Uh, and that could have led to sanctions basically re- revoking his release, his uh, prior early release from prison. Um, at some point, he fled to Milwaukee. I'm, I'm a bit confused how he ended up in Milwaukee. We don't really have those details. Yeah. But they transferred him back here, and now he's sitting in jail until, you know, they can formally charge him. He's not formally charged yet. Um, it's now, coming, bro. Now, Veli Ray has alleged in some of the videos we were watching on live stream that he believes there's multiple killers in the Portland area mm-hmm. right now. We're really curious um, if he's right and if we can get more information. And we'd love to talk to him to, you know, figure out why he thinks that. But um, he was going around talking to the homeless population and there were several of them that said they there he were. drives a white van or oh, I've seen him, which I actually think it's like a, more like a... Uh, PT Cruiser style Chevy, like yep. you were saying. HHR. Um, but he was selling fentanyl. He was selling fentanyl. And that interview with the girlfriend, uh, she made so many excuses for him, you guys. So it was obvious once she got talking about like some of their intimate interactions and things like that, where she goes into talking about, you know, yes, I when we got together, we did new, uh, like sex type stuff and, uh, it, it pushed her boundaries. And then she went on to say that, you know, when she wasn't comfortable with something, he would get mad and she caught herself right before what I think she was going to say, uh, you know, it, it would turn into a fight and get physical, something to do with that. Okay. And, um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I definitely think she was abused, though, based off of his history. I don't think there's any way that he yeah. was this... Like, so in the beginning is when I feel like she made the most excuses and tried to oh, paint yeah, him... Oh, yeah, just excuses. Paint just him, excuses. Yeah, yeah, she tried to paint an image of him like he's this family man, would do anything for his family, good with the kids, like a loving yes, man. Yes, that's what I was going to talk and, about. And, you know... It, good call. It just doesn't make any sense once he, you know, Valley Race really starts asking her questions and he asks her some hard questions and calls mm-hmm. out some BS a few times, which props to him. Um, he navigated that interview really I well. I thought so too. Yep. But um, I thought he did really good. It, you, you start getting an idea. Like she tried to claim she never saw him use drugs, but knew he was selling fentanyl because it and was in the house. she also said that she told but, him he was high. But yeah. when he started sensing he was being followed, uh, everyone was telling him, like, oh, dude, you're too high. Like, her and some other person, unnamed individual, in the car told him he was too high. Well, so clearly he gets high, and you said he didn't use drugs, but clearly you know he uses drugs. Yep. And I don't know if she's in- concerned with uh, somehow incriminating herself because of her children and stuff like that. You know, in 2018, he got arrested uh, with meth. So it... In my experience, guys like him, those real, like, tough guys, uh, for whatever reason, they usually tend to use meth. I don't know why I've seen that connection in my own experiences. And that's a good uh, thing to talk about, our theory. Him losing control. Him losing control after meth. Because if you don't know, methamphetamine, it, it makes you feel like a superhero. And it can make people really lower their inhibitions and really like go for it with things and it can make some people who have like um internal desires like kinky type desires explore them like fully and if somebody's already like 
into what he was into, like aggressive and violent yep. uh, with women and degrading them. Did he get in these situations where he's doing drugs with these girls and hooking up with them and take it too far? Yeah, and, and meth does that, you guys. If you guys don't have a good understanding, uh, if you even have like a little bit of that sociopathy in you and then you put meth on it, it takes anything that's little, that insecurity, that that uh, overwhelming like uh, instability, psych- psycho, psychosis, sociopathy, anything like that, and it times is it by a hundred, okay? And it becomes very, very dangerous very, very quick. And I think uh, that has to do with all of this. Yeah. I truly, truly do. I think he stays away from his at-home girl when he's using. He goes with these other women where there are videos with them with needles and other uh, drug paraphernalia. And uh, he, they get high and he loses control. That's what I think is going on. So... Um, based off my own opinions of him. And it's, it's really sad. It's like These were, sad. you know, displaced to vulnerable uh, women. And, you know, we, we've seen a few of the victims' families speak up. And, and even though they had their issues, they, they were loved. Like, they were yep. somebody's daughter, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. friend, somebody's sister. And, and they deserve justice. Um, I'm really curious about the Native American woman and the other one that were found, though. They don't fit the type, but it's it's interesting, to say the least, um, that so many bodies have been popping up the beginning of this year all around the same time and dropped off at, you know, different locations around the Portland area. Yeah, but and those are only the ones we know about on a national level, yep. you guys. They're also talking about uh, multiple other bodies found in that area, and, and I think that's why yeah. they think it's a ring of people is because there are different ways that these uh, these people are being ended. It's a mixture of men and women, um, but uh, just think if it's a group like what he's talking about, if that's true. That is very scary, and that's also a very hard case for police to work because you have to first identify how many different uh, enders there are, killers there are, and then come up with a pattern and uh, a best description for each of them and then start connecting the bodies to those. Like That is so, so much work. That's already months and months of work just for one, okay? And then if you have a group... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. We're going to be following it closely. We're going to be covering it on live stream as things come out. And um, Veli Ray is clearly the foot soldier on the ground out yeah. there he's in the streets. He's from that area, and, and he's yeah, not we're gonna to get out there. Yeah, we're going to be digging into it and, you know, see what happens with it. I, I really really hope he ends up getting charged. The police are being extremely tight-lipped. They will not say anything about anything. We don't. We only know about this because of the girlfriend and the DA, not the police. You have got to check out that girlfriend interview, okay? I'll post the video of, uh, of us watching it here. Okay, so thumb for girlfriend, thumb for... Well, there's two for the girlfriend yeah. interview. We did about 20 minutes of it the first night when we very first found it, you know, because a lot of times on the live stream, we're sleuthing where we're not coming to the live stream with a plan, we have a general outline of what we're going to watch, and then we figure it out. We're we inve- start digging yeah. into it, you know. And, we're investigating. Uh, so yeah. 
we we'll link those mm -hmm. videos yeah. in the description and we'll uh, and let us know what you yeah think, you definitely guys. check it out and check out future streams and let us know what you think about this this portland alleged serial killer if you're from that area please reach out yes <laughs> i want to know some local details and information uh on on what you think and and why you think uh veli ray believes that there's more than one person here and uh the families how that, how that adds up you yeah know? the families so. do think it's a serial killer from yeah. what i've seen mm-hmm so, yep, yeah, that's it. All right, so. <clears throat> I've told you guys so many different times here why I am so attracted to ser serial killers and serial killer stories with the psychology behind it and how they look at the world. Like, it's it's really interesting to me uh, what's going on behind those eyes, you know? what What dots are they connecting? How are they problem solving? How are they coming up with their plan to maneuver these situations in the best way possible? I think those things are very, very interesting because it seems like in a lot of those situations, they aren't taking into account feelings whatsoever. And, you know, I, I think why that's so interesting is that feelings can cloud judgment when you're thinking of situations and problem solving logically, you know, and that's really interesting stuff to me, how some person can, one person can take feelings into account, uh, so much in their everyday situations. And then you have a, a serial type person, a sociopath that takes it into account zero period or chooses where they take it into account, you know, like with kids, things like that. So, um, Here's another one where I find really interesting. We've covered a couple topics of this, but um, fraud, con men, in this case, a con woman, okay? This has been getting a ton of exposure lately again, but Elizabeth Holmes. Who is Elizabeth Holmes? You what? You don't know who Elizabeth Holmes is? I, I've heard of a, a few different female... The name might female, sound familiar or something. It does sound familiar, yep. and I've heard of a few female con artists. Uh, I feel like there was like a, a surge of it like on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like There's been a couple that have yep. come out, documentaries or mockumentaries or something like that, of like a few female con artists, but I don't know which one this well, is. Well, this is a white-collar, very high-end con man con woman criminal um and the amount of fraud and deception in her is just insane and what makes this even more interesting is that i truly based off reading some background into her looking into how she was raised the things that happened to her i truly believe that she believes her own bs Okay. okay, so we have Elizabeth Holmes here, was born on February 3rd, 1984 in Washington, D.C. Her father, Christian Rasmus Holmes, the, what is that, fourth, fifth, was a vice president at Enron. Everybody knows of Enron, okay? It was one of the dirtiest, scummiest companies out there that didn't care about public safety, didn't care about their employees. All they cared about was the bottom dollar, okay? What's Enron? Oh, gosh, that's a whole other story Yeah, in but what, what is the industry? Gas. Um, gas, okay. Well, I mean, they end up getting into everything, but gas, energy, um, 
all the human needs, okay? It was okay. a multi-massive corporation, and they ended up going under for fraud. There are documentaries written about it and everything, and he was the vice president, okay? So this is setting a stage here. Interesting. Um, and that company later went, yeah, bankrupt, and after an accounting fraud scandal. Her mother, Noelle Ann, worked as a congressional committee staffer. So these, this family is so prestigious. I mean, he's the VP at one of the global leading companies in the world, not the nation, in the world here, okay? And then you have her mom, who is a congressional committee staffer, part of the government, rubbing elbows with all our government figures and personal servants, okay? Well, Elizabeth Holmes was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. She knew... Clearly. Yeah, everything. And and to the point where her parents were building her, which is this really strange, but her parents were building her to be a business mogul. Like, I can tell by looking at the decisions of what they did when she was younger. Okay, so everyone knows where the direction the Chinese are going and the Asian countries are going and and how many different resources they control and everything and how they have the manpower and the manufacturing and everything over there, right? Did you know that China owns the pork industry in the U.S.? Yep, I did know that. Um, That's... that's, one minor company. They own a ton. They own I just a thought ton. that was so weird. Well, China, China speaks Mandarin, okay? So um, they were having her learn Mandarin to be able to promote oh, smart. their business. Uh, That's really smart. I mean, it's super smart, but I kind of feel like it's super messed up unless she was choosing to do it on her own. Like, you... Parents don't build a kid into what they want them to be, okay? You guide your kid as they figure out what they want to be. This is going to cause trauma. This is going to cause issues in somebody. This could add to the potential leading of a con woman. Yeah, because they're forcing her to be what they want her to be. They are, with a silver spoon in her mouth and and getting her in uh, business, piano, violin, all the silver spoon amenities that come with it. You know what I mean? So Yeah, because learning another language, I think it's important for a parent to encourage their child to do that, but like forcing them to learn a very specific language because Mm -hmm. you want this future for them and you're going to mold them. Yeah, it just comes down to them choosing it or the parents, and the parents were were pushing this, okay? And I forgot to say, too, that she comes from generational wealth, big-time generational wealth. Her great-great-great-grandfather created... um, uh, created food or uh, <laughs> he created food. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I I got it here. Um, He's why we have yeast. Food. Okay, he created yeast that is still the number one used yeast today for baking. Okay, the brand the Yemen's or something like that. It, it comes in a reddish jar and it has a yellow label on it with red writing. It stands out a lot. Well, her Yemen's? great 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 yeah. Yemen's her her great 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 grandfather created that okay and their family was really proud of this this created generational wealth and then each family member after that just had more and more and more success okay so here you go 
uh, silver spooner, has everything in the world, has never had a day without, okay? And she's never had to worry about money. She's never had to worry about anything a day in her life. And why I think that's important is because we've seen time and time and time again when a kid grows up that doesn't have any struggle whatsoever, uh, they have a little bit of sociopathy there. They expect everything in the world to be given to them. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, and, and, and like everyone walks through the world with their hands out to give them whatever they want, right? Yeah. Um, well, she continued on with phenomenal grades. You're talking straight A students, some of the best grades out there. Um, yes, Fletchman, Fletchmans. Yeah, was, Fletchmans. That's yeah, not yeah, yeah. Yemen. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Fletchmans. But I got the rest of it right. Yeah, um, the look of the jar is right, but yeah. Yemen's was well, way out. Well, I I got the the amount of letters in the word right. Yemen's is the same amount of letters as Fletchman's. But no, anyways, it's not. yeah, it is. Y e m m e n. So, um, going back to our story here, <laughs> um, she uh, she followed the right path to you know be successful be an industry mogul and she started getting really inspired by actually okay she got into stanford okay so yeah big time big time ivy league amazing phenomenal these are the leaders in the u.s type school whatever like every other family has the money to back it okay well while she's in college um she is pursuing i believe it was uh, a medical degree uh no chemical engineering so yes it had to do with the medical industry um so she's pursuing that doing really good and everything um oh, and then i know exactly in, who this is now yes and then in um the medical industry told me everything yes so <laughs> uh and then in on october 5th 2003 everything in elizabeth holmes life has been going right up until now okay um october 5th 2003 the uh police of santa clara county sheriff's office receives a call at 10:05 p.m and it was elizabeth holmes um calling in an assault so she had been sa'd okay um mm. at stanford and um she kind of changed from there, you guys, which I think is expected with anybody that's gone through something like that. And uh, like I was saying, she's been given everything that she's wanted her whole life. And then to be so out of control in a situation, I think, was a major turning point in her life. Now, I, I, I've i seen a lot of people cover this story, and I, I feel like I don't see a lot of people put enough emphasis on that event there. That event, in my opinion... Was the switch. Was the switch, was the turning point here, okay? So she, after that event, in who knows how long, it could have been only a couple minutes, she now truly knows what it feels like to be out of control and to your money to mean nothing and that you're just another human being and what an awful way to learn it in five minutes. Minutes, you know, after yeah. being given everything you want in your whole life and everything you've else. You've had well, safety, security. Yep. You've had everything. Been yep. fed to you with a silver spoon. Ab- 
Yeah, absolutely. And then it's all like gone. In all a gone, out of your power, no control whatsoever. She's not a big woman. She's a small woman. So, you know, any average sized man would be able to overpower her in strength pretty easily, um, unfortunately. So, this is a really sad situation. Now, she is an. Uh, <laughs> She is an awful woman, okay, but I can we can still feel bad for somebody going through a situation like this. Now, it is 100% on her that she didn't take care of this at the time, but okay, from this time, we start seeing Elizabeth change, okay, as we would expect. She has always had interest in these industry moguls, like... She was literally obsessed with Steve Jobs, you guys. That was like her yeah. idol, okay? Mm-hmm. Her idol to the point where she started literally dressing like him. And we'll get to that point. It is wild, I know, dude. it's super uh, weird. And, and that's why I wanted to put so much emphasis on that SA situation because the, the transformation she makes is cuckoo. Like, it is bananas. It is so insane. And um, so she has that SA, life-altering change, and she uh, starts changing a little bit, and she stops going to class. According to Elizabeth, she uh, was essayed by a peer that was in the school. So again, to me, that makes sense. Why would you want to go to class at risk seeing the person? An essay was so hard to prove even now. And then back then, what year was um, it? Oh, three. Okay. So she didn't file it, a police report. She did file a police report, but, but she was still in school with that individual. So I don't know the details of that. I pulled up the police report, and it has been redacted per request by Elizabeth. It says literally... So she filed a police report, and we have no idea if the person was charged, convicted? No, because it's been redacted. So it says... Uh, event of 03-279-004. All details have since been redacted. Sunday, 10-5-2003. So it gives us the time, the date, the location of occurrence was 550 Lawson Mall, Stanford. Description redacted. Description of property weapons, none. Reporting party, Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, Deputies were dispatched to an alleged sexual assault. All other details have been redacted. Um, So no, no details. We have nothing. We have no idea how bad it was. Nothing at all. But this was a major turning point in her life. So she stopped going to classes. She stopped going to school, okay? She goes to her parents and promotes this idea. And she's going somewhere. Like, she's a very smart woman, okay? Just because she's made disgusting, hideous, horrible mistakes doesn't mean that she's not smart. She is brilliant, you know? Well, she Um, carried them out because she was so intelligent. Yeah. People still to this day after everything still look back at her and are like amazed at what she was able to achieve, you know? Um, So she went to her parents and said, hey, look, I have an idea for you guys. I uh, don't want to finish school. I want you to take all the money that you're investing in my school and I want you to invest it in my company, okay? Parents turned her down, was like, no way. You're going to finish your school before we talk about anything like this. And then she's like, well, surprise, I already dropped out of school. So uh, (laughs) this is really our only option, right? So I have no idea how long it took for her parents to be bought into it, but they were eventually bought into it. And there starts Theranos, okay, her company. 
um, and she has this great idea that she works with professors and peers and people from Stanford that she went to school with promoting this idea. And this idea is incredible. It is an amazing idea, okay? So instead of going to get your blood drawn, you guys, and I don't know about you, but I'm terrified of needles. And I I can go through literally any amount of pain. I Maybe it has to do with being diabetic. I don't know. But like pain doesn't scare me, but needles terrify me. And when I get blood drawn, uh, I tell them every time, look, you need to get your orange juice ready and get me a bed because I'm going to pass out. You know what I mean? And uh, she came up with a device where all you would have to do is prick your finger like a diabetic, a baby tiny little prick. And that little tiny blood drop would tell you everything the the needles would of getting your blood drawn in those tubes okay genius idea right yeah like amazing if we have the technology here where the computer can read that small of an amount of blood like why are we not already doing this it's insane think of how much money you would save for less test tubes and everything else so um so she pushes this idea she gets uh, she gets people at her school bought into it and she uh, creates like a rough draft blueprint. She starts taking it to investors and she starts making money here. And she yeah. created it in March. To- Go ahead. I would love to have something like that because like I, I suffer with anemia. Like I become anemic so easy and it's I become severely anemic and have a really, really hard time raising my levels. They always prescribe me like super high doses of iron that really mess you up mm-hmm. when you take them. So um, think about how incredible that would be for like people who suffer with deficiencies or like, you know, like diabetics have it, but we don't have it for anything else to be able to check it. And I would be able to monitor my levels myself without having to make an appointment so that the doctor can see me so that they can, you know, request labs and all that process. I don't think it, it, it wasn't as simple as an at home version. It was only in like doctor's offices and things like that. Yeah, But think about if you could have a diabetic device that you can have at home to keep track of it, but you still have to go to a medical professional or you could have online professionals that read it and are like, okay, so based off that I'll prescribe this. If you can create a device of this size, okay, which was an incredible size of what she created, uh, and, and have it be successful. It's only an amount of time before it would become an at-home version. So yeah, I, I think it's a revolutionary idea and it sucks she tainted it because I bet someone would be able to create this thing. Eventually, okay? yeah. So she starts it in March 20, 2004 and she's doing all the work, the engineering, the creation, working with her professors and everything. And by September 2009, she has some people bought in on it. Some people are investing, supporting her. Uh, she ha- has... Ramesh Sunny Balwani joins Theranos as her right-hand man. And this guy has a ton of experience getting investors. So the investor party is really just kicking off from here, okay? At one point, she had like almost $10 billion of investment money into this. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, yeah. September 2013, Holmes opens up about Theranos announcing the Walgreens partnership. Walgreens buys into this device, you guys. Yes. Walgreens. 
Yes, and the devices were actually in all the Walgreens across the country. And it's also part of the reason why Walgreens took such a financial hit, too. So Walgreens has since closed down their blood stations because of this, okay? That was September 2013. September 2014, Holmes is named one of the richest women in America. She owns uh, over 50% stake in her startup, pinning her personal wealth at $4.5 billion. $4.5 billion, okay? She started this in 2015. In 04, it was just an idea. In 2014, she was worth $4.5 billion. Wild. That's so crazy. On the top 100 richest women's list uh, for Forbes. Yeah. So. Of course she was. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And December 2014, Theranos has raised $400 million alone just in their device, okay? And as you're listening to this, we'll be posting pictures of the device here. And, uh, like, it is really, really, really incredible. They would take it around to boards. They would take it around to companies. They would take it around to trade shows and tell people, look, we just need a prick of your finger or, yeah, prick on your finger, a little drop of your blood, and we'll get you your test results right out, okay? Um, July 2015... Um, Theranos gets approved for a herpes test. So now they're adding on to that uh, device, okay? And and by the way, that device's name was Edison. I think that's important because that follows along that same idea of these like geniuses, revolutionary, changing people for humankind. You know what I mean? And and what you guys need to realize is. I think that helped her get through her trauma, believing that she had what it took to be one of those people. Be a Steve Jobs, be a Edison, be somebody like that. She's like, I got uh, essayed, so I'm going to boss up. Like, I am going to be the revolution. (laughs) uh, Pretty, see, I don't think it was that obvious in her mind it's subconscious clearly there's there's always a subconscious element and i'm i'm really like trying to think what that was in her mind and i i'm not entirely sure i put my finger on steve jobs so you think she just literally she fixated yes she she got essayed she had trauma and she fixated on him specifically and yeah, but there's something else there. Like. I don't think so, you guys. Okay, Steve Jobs notoriously come at, came out on the uh, keynotes, okay, and would present in his turtleneck, whatever, right. and his glasses and, you know, his hair a certain way and everything. Uh, and he had this very specific voice and calm attitude. And, you know, everyone that knew him said he was real disconnected from other people. Uh, and, and his mannerisms were really awkward. He never blinked. His stare was so intently when he did look at you in the eyes. And most time he didn't look at you in the eyes. A lot of people uh, believe that he has... Autism. Uh, yeah, a form of autism. So uh, she started transitioning into that and it became more and more and more and more present where uh 
you guys, she literally started changing her voice. So many people make fun of her for this, okay? And if you listen to a keynote of Steve Jobs and look at how he's dressed, how he holds himself, how his hair is, how his voice is, and then pull her up next to it, she's literally copying Steve Jobs. Everything. She is impersonating Steve Jobs. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think her idea of who she is got lost that day that she was essayed. I think something broke, okay? Oh, that's so funny because I've actually heard about this before. So people who go through an extremely traumatic event, and if it's a lot of times it is like a, a sexual event where you get hurt in that way, they will disassociate, which can cause mental issues where they can have a loss of self, where they will have like a multiple personality disorder. And I'm not talking about DID, which that is kind of like an extreme form where they disassociate and their mind fragments into these different personalities. But there's other forms of it like that, where they lose themselves and they can be so lost, like borderline people do this, where they will almost like go through these phases of their lives because they don't know who they are. They will adopt like and fixate on this one idea or this one person and become them. It a hundred, a hundred percent. And that's exactly what I'm thinking happened here. And like for you guys listening, okay, why hers was so extreme when this happened to her is because of how she was raised beforehand. She had zero experience with any adversity. She had zero experience with any minor trauma to learn how to cope minimally. Essay is already so traumatic traumatic for anybody yeah but if you take someone that's grown up with issues and having to overcome things like somebody from the hood and they get essayed i can almost guarantee you now i'm not a professional but i can almost guarantee you somebody that has dealt with trauma and issues and has gotten over it will get over it easier than someone that has no experience like her been given everything her entire life. She expects people to give her everything. She expects people to bend over backwards for her. She expects the world to be given to her and then to, and then to be assaulted in that way. I think it's, uh, I think it is much more damaging, but I think it was the loss of control specifically. I don't, I can't theorize what exactly it was. I, I just know that I've, I've seen some of these situations before and uh, coming from somebody that has zero experience of any stress, anxiety, anything like that, situations like this are way more I extreme. I think you got to be careful, though, because saying more trauma makes you be able to get over trauma easier and be like end up better at the end of it. Like it's kind of dangerous to say because the more trauma, the though. more trauma, the more that's not what like, I'm saying. That's not a good thing. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I know. I, I don't think you are, but I think it could be taken that way. Uh, like I'm okay. I don't know. So, so where her flaw was, was she did not get help to get over that trauma. Okay. When somebody has been through a traumatic event, okay, something much smaller, they have learned smaller ways to cope and now have experienced coping with trauma, okay? Somebody who's gotten over it already. Who's gotten, not SA, but gotten over anything traumatic, something small traumatic, and then can cope small. It's the same idea as raising a kid, you know? You allow a kid to go through small things so they can cope small, and 
then that escalates as their life yeah, goes like on the and Bambi things like movie. that. Well, yes. <laughs> well, she has never gotten over anything small because she's had everything. So yeah. that makes this experience more traumatic in this situation because she has no tools of coping, no understanding of how to get over anything, and probably doesn't even know something's wrong, which is why I'm saying I think she believes her BS. I really do. Her excuses, uh, minimizing the 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 human uh, experience, making it seem like, oh, you know, Whatever was going on here, I wasn't the one that was leading this. I was just leading the company. Like, dude, everything she says is just BS that comes out of her mouth. But real, here, real quick, the Bambi movie, like, there's a theory that when you put like really hard things in movies, like a character dying, it can like help a kid learn how to cope with it in real life when something bad really happens to them. I just wanted to say that. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. You haven't even explained how this was a con. <laughs> Yeah, yep. So I, d I don't know what happened with that. Yep, so this is what we're starting to see with her behavior. Sure. Um, <laughs> over the last 11 years, we've reinvented the traditional laboratory infrastructure. And we talked to our lab team, and they said, okay, you can do the draw. And so they did this, what would have been a finger stick, on this little nub on his arm. Sure, yeah. Um, over the last 11 years, we've reinvented oh my the God. traditional laboratory infrastructure with a mission to make... She's sitting like Steve Jobs there, by the way. I noticed the body language in the immediately. Yep. And healthcare systems throughout the world. And as we thought about this, we focused very much on the question of access to actionable health information because... Laboratory data drives 80% of clinical decisions, yet it's not accessible. Yeah, you know, um, one of the first people that we served um, came into our wellness centers as a quadriplegic and um, came in asking so, if they. So immediately, like. Okay, when it's her real voice and, like, more real self, you can tell she's not confident <sighs> at all. She's so yeah. drawn in with her body language, and it's like a normal female voice. And then when she's in her Steve Jobs persona, she's, like, I'm... up and confident and talking with her hands. And she's, like, it's because it's and an even act. the nod and, like, the deep voice. Like, what? I... It's, I'm telling you, It's look. so strange. It's so distinct and clear, like... Like impersonation. Dude, it's so, it's so cringe. It's so cringe. Everything that she does is like, oh god. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to give you guys an example of the lengths she's willing to go through here to be fraudulent. And again, I, I truly think that she's buying into her own BS. You guys, I think that she believes this here. Okay, so. This is where the fraud is, all right? So she has the machine that tests the blood. Now um, she's gotten it partnered with Walmart. She's gotten over $400 million in investing into this. She is now worth uh, half of Theranos' worth, which is just under $10 million. And here's the kicker, you guys. That machine 
doesn't work. Okay, they straight up tested it on people at like public events. So it was all fake results the whole time? It was all fake results. So it did not work at all? It worked one out of every 300 tries. (laughs) No, that's the real number? That's the real number. It's like 240 or something, 290. So yeah, one out of 300 tries. Oh my gosh. It didn't work. How did nobody catch on to that? I don't know. And I also don't understand that. Okay, look. Looking at this scientifically, okay, it worked once out of of every hundreds of tries, okay? Mm -hmm. How can we repeat that one time? Why Why was she and nobody else in that company focused on, okay, we got it to work that one time. Like, we got it to work. How do we repeat it? How do we make it more reliable? How do we break this down, update, fine-tune, you know, change the software, whatever, to get this repeatable process here? And I think that she was so caught up with the image, she didn't care if it worked or not. It wasn't important to her. She was getting fame. She was being put on the front of magazines. She was in her turtleneck. She was talking like Steve Jobs and, you know, she was... Making money? Doing her thing. I mean, she always had money, so a lot of people Yeah, but to be on the Forbes list, like the status of all of that and the attention? A lot of people think that it was about the money. I don't. I don't think money had to do with this at all. I don't think it had anything to do with it whatsoever. I think to be looked at as... Uh, like um, a leader in invention in the way that these other guys that she looked up to, she would have given all her money for. I yeah. truly believe that. Yeah. That I it think, was about the image. Well, yeah, with her basically impersonating, like mimicking Steve Jobs in every single way, uh, that that I think is 100% what it was about. Yep. It was that image of being like um, a, a trailblazer. Yep. Yep. So, okay. People start catching on to this. Okay. There were, uh, and, and what's crazy is Theranos knew about this. So that the machines weren't working. They weren't doing what they were supposed to. They were literally going and testing real vials after the fact to give real results. So like board members would come in and they would prick their finger and stuff like that and go get results, uh, have them go to lunch, come back in and then like, Oh, results are printing out. Like literally fraud going way out of the way to commit this fraud, to get these investors bought in you guys. But, but if it's just a prick of the finger, how did they get a real vial of blood from that person to get a real result? What do you mean? Cause like, what were they like? All their medical stuff is in there. So, what do you mean? It's just a prick of the finger. So how did they get a vial of blood to test to actually get the real results? No, they could get their real blood results anywhere is what I'm saying. Oh, they would go in the computer? Probably. That's probably how they were doing it. Oh. But we know that they were uh, getting like past information data of this blood and using that with the prick of the finger, like how exactly they were doing the sleight of the hand isn't important. It it was proven over and over and over that the sleight of the hand was done. There were multiple internal documents and complaints that this fraud 
fraudulent uh, stuff was going on, and Theranos went out of their way to hide them and suppress everything, okay? So this machine did not work, and they needed their investors to be bought into it, so they were playing a magic trick, you know? They were doing the old Texas swap on them where they took a, their their dot of blood, they went and found their results, and then, whoa, print, so amazing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people were buying into it, so... Um, October 2015, there is an investigator from the Wall Street Journal that finds these complaints, these internal complaints, starts digging digging into the company, okay? Theranos slams back at them and, uh, and tries discrediting the the investigator but the the gigs up by now um so in november 2015 theranos and safeways partnership falls short they had originally invested like 350 million dollars into building clinics in hundreds of their supermarkets and eventually the blood test looked like uh, it wasn't all it cracked up to be and they decided to pull back january 2016 Federal regulators take issue with Theranos California Lab and Walgreens pulls back, so they cancel their partnership. Uh, CMS threatens to ban homes. Things are falling apart, and they start falling apart very quickly now, okay? She gets threatened by the leaders of the community that they're going to ban her from the laboratory business for two years for this, and she ends up getting banned, you guys. Like, she, she gets banned to where she she can't do any testing whatsoever, okay? Um, her and her um, CFO or whatever, Balwani, the guy that was supposed, supposedly the mastermind behind all this, you know, both of these individuals turned on themselves. Like, they turned on each other. She came out and said, you know, I was having a sexual relationship with this guy, and this guy was controlling me, and he was making me do all of this stuff, and I didn't believe in it, and, like, tried passing all the blame on him, and he tried saying the same thing about her june 2016 after being on the forbes top 100 of richest women uh holmes net worth is revised to zero dollars what no way yep how embarrassing that's how embarrassing sad for her but she didn't deserve any of it so nope nope she's a con woman man uh, July 2016, Holmes is banned from running labs for two years. The company tries to recoup and come back with the mini lab device. Uh, they end up getting sued by their investors. Uh, Walgreens sues them. Um, the uh, the agency that controls like the lab uh, regulations sues them as well. Uh, Arizona or CMS sues and they have to settle. Like she truly does lose all her money. She loses everything in all of this. Okay. In March, 2018, she gets charged with fraud. Finally gets charged with fraud. So, um, and, uh, look, you can see where she, she goes back to her normal dress. As soon as she gets charged? Uh, pretty soon after, she marries a new dude, and she loses all of the black. She starts wearing mom clothing, and uh, 
<clears throat> she's going through court, okay? So now she has major charges under her belt. Uh, Theranos is under. It's losing money left and right because of all this fraud. She stops wearing black altogether, gets remarried. She gets charged and finds out she has to do jail time, okay? Like real jail time. We're looking at 11 years of jail time here. Even in the state that she's in with good... Uh, behavior, it only is like a 25% reduction or 30% reduction. So the minimum amount of time that she could serve is like nine years. Okay. Um, and, uh, she knows this. she knows something's going on. Right. So she gets pregnant and uses the pregnancy to stay the court hearings and start showing up late, not showing up at all. And she starts manipulating and, and, frauding the court and the people around her and a ton of people think that she got pregnant specifically to be i spit everywhere got pregnant specifically to uh to to delay having to go to prison it ends up not working though as you guys know That's she so ends up going to prison it's sad for the kid yeah but what sucks on top of it is uh, she's not even going to a real prison. She's going to the same prison Martha Stewart went to. She's going to the oh. same prison that uh, you get to wear almost regular clothing. There is couches and beds and TVs, and it's a hangout. It's like they're in a clubhouse, you know, and that's the prison stay that she's in. Of course. Rich person's life, let me tell you. I know. It's so unfair, isn't it? It's super unfair in these situations if prisons of were really criminals. Li- I agree, because if prisons were really like that, like where we see in other countries where they almost have like their own little apartment and they have to like go to work every day, like they they make them become a member of society. That would be amazing. Think about right how here. good that would be. Like we wouldn't be sending dehumanized, illy treated, traumatized People who've been in prison, gangbanging, doing yep. drugs, you know, prison fights, like all in this intense, stressful environment yeah. where they always got to watch your back. Agreed. Like they come out and it's like shocking. It's like and they almost want to go back in a yep. lot of times. Like it, it doesn't work. Our prison system literally doesn't work at all. It's yeah. hasn't worked since the beginning. I agree um, with you. It's it's the basis of it is flawed. The idea of it is flawed. Who was created to keep slaves? Mm-hmm. Slaves like they literally were like work camps mm-hmm. for slaves. That's what it started as. So, yeah. I mean, it's just not fair yep. <laughs> at all. Messed and, up. Uh, to this day, you guys, she has never admitted any fault whatsoever in this. Of course um, not. And uh, she still makes excuses. She has changed her voice back. She now dresses normal. So uh, obviously that was all fake, fraud, BS. And uh, we just have another situation here where, you know, in criminal justice and the legal system, I feel like when you break the law, you should be treated the same as everybody else. Everybody should be treated equal in these situations, okay? Uh, And we just see that this isn't the case, maybe because she is paying the prison system. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, I do know she's no Steve Jobs, Edison, Bill Gates, 
you're just a rich girl who was born with a silver spoon in your mouth and uh, tried frauding the world. Yep. And you got what Whoa. you deserved. My voice broke. So. Yeah, she did. She did. But let us know what you think about this, you guys. Was there a way to prevent this? You know, I, I read a lot of different areas where it says that corporate auditor, auditors should start looking at, like, psychological marker, markers and factors of uh, their board members, CEOs, CFOs, things like that, to see where there might be some issues going on, right? Because clearly her behavior showed there were some problems here. Uh, her change in clothing, uh, all those things stood out. People teased her about it for a long 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 time but um, nothing was brought up in that so should a psychologist be part of the audit system maybe maybe i mean especially when you have people investing millions uh, of dollars absolutely. into something it's i mean billions it's crazy it's insane that she got away with taking that much money from people yeah she is the con woman the con woman of the century. century yeah for real straight up yeah it that's wild like the the clear like change mm -hmm. of persona is crazy it is it's shocking like i know i know. You're like what is going on in I your agree. head lady <laughs> anyway i was going to cover chad uh, doerman this week but I just saw that Taylor Shabiznis, okay, <laughs> if you've heard of this, just gonna, got indicted. I think this is the same. Does this have to do with dope? What? Yeah. It does? Okay. So I know. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? I think so. Okay. So Taylor Shabiznis, which her real name, by the way... Uh, because that last name is totally made up by her and her husband, is Taylor Denise Coronado. Um, that is her, like, maiden name before she got married. She was just indicted on murder charges. And I listened to the whole story. Um, uh, shout out to, I think, is, is it Bruce Rivers? He's the criminal lawyer. <laughs> like, I watched him mm. read the document, um, the, what is it called? What is it called? What? Where they disclose all the details of the case, the affidavit yeah. or whatever. Um, so I, I, I listened to him read that, and it's just wild, okay? <laughs> it's insane. So she is convicted of Shad... Therion, I think is his last name, um, which it, it seemed like they really wanted to conceal who he was in this case. Like, I kept just hearing the victim, the boyfriend. He's not her boyfriend. He's a fling. He's a side piece is what he is um, to her in particular. According to her, and she loved him, though. Yeah, well, well, they had been hooking up since high school. Oh, wow. And she got married and they had an open marriage. Yeah. And she went and did kinky things with him. Yeah. Um, they were into choking. They were into, like, all kinds of kinky yep. things. Yep. Um, and it sounded like um, they would kind of switch. They would do, yep. like, dom-sub stuff but switch. Yep. It's what it, I got the vibe of. Um, but he was born in 1997 in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, he went to Bayport High School with her. 
and that's where they met and they've known each other since they were kids um so in his obituary he was described as kind and compassionate a talented artist who enjoyed wood carving um his uncle nathan minot I think Manu uh, said that his death was devastating and claimed that Taylor was a monster, which what she did was a monstrosity. It's, it's horrifying. It is. Um, so it's February 23rd, uh, 2022, um, two, between two to 3 AM, uh, Shad's mother hears, a slamming door and then a car startup, which was Taylor's minivan and it drove off. She's like, what is going on? She goes, she sees the basement light on. She walks down there. Nobody's there. And as she goes to walk back up the steps, she sees a bucket. She looks in the bucket and she sees a head and there is a severed male organ inside of it. Um, she doesn't know what to make of it. She is in a state of shock and disbelief. So she goes and grabs her partner, her boyfriend, and says, uh, and I, I don't believe this is Shad's like uh, biological father. I think it's a stepfather, mm -hmm. just a boyfriend. I don't know exactly, but she goes and grabs him and has him look, and he's like... I. I don't know. Like, they both are just in total disbelief and almost think that it's fake, that it can't be real. They call police. Police get there at 3.25 a.m. Um, she, and she says, like, this is what I found. Um, and they take a look. Uh, it's at the bottom of the basement steps. And it is exactly what she thought it was. It was her son Shad's head and severed male organ, which the police report does not say it says male organ. So yeah. assuming that's what it is, uh, all of it probably. Um, but on top of the bucket was like, a, she had put like a beach towel over it or something like that. Um, nearby, which it sounds like the basement was his room mm -hmm. and there was like a connected laundry room and bathroom nearby on the mattress. There was blood. Also yeah. found in the basement was bags with body parts. Like she literally was stuffing body parts in random bags, a tote bag. They found uh, knives, a serrated knife, carving knives from the kitchen that were all bloody. Dude, a butter knife was used. She used a lot of different things. Um, yeah, uh, there, there was three knives specifically. I think it was a carving mm -hmm. knife, a butter knife, and a serrated bread knife. So, um, it's, it's just horrific. Like, I can't even imagine the mother finding that, like finding your child like that. It, I know. So, so sad. Um, and this, Taylor was a mother. She has a child. No, I know. She's this, married with a kid. This type of, uh, behavior was not common from her yeah people are people want to paint her a monster similar to like any story out there you know it's real easy being a part of our society hearing these really awful stories whether it's like um 
Alexi Trevillo or Carly Russell or this situation here or any of them where it's easy to listen to the story and be like, oh, my God, what literally the devil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like it, I think it's really important for us, especially people that are interested in, in crime in general, to like understand how somebody got to that point, because that helps us prevent people from getting there in the future. Yeah. But this was uncommon for her. So not the the so, sex, but the ending. Well, yeah, but but there are some things that are she for one, which was shown in the court, she was obsessed with Jeffrey Dahmer. She had an extensive search history about him. Um, she had an infatuation with him. Like some of the searches were like Jeffrey Dahmer looking hot walking into the courtroom. Um, she had like a weird selfie picture with like a picture of Jeffrey Dahmer to make it look like she was with him. Like she was infatuated with him, which is interesting when you look at what she did to the vac the victim. Yeah. Um, so I I I do think this was like a drug-induced psychosis. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it, I think it brought out something inside of her that she didn't fully know was there. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she confessed totally. Like, so after they, the police find this, Which that um, makes me the, and they talk to like... the mother, they talk to the mother, mm -hmm. she's like, well, I heard a door slam, I heard the minivan, and... I know that she, you know, Taylor was here with Shad last night. I thought they were sleeping all day. Um, they had both had a drug problem, okay? So they go to her apartment, uh, and they're going to go there to find her. And she, as soon as they arrive, she comes walking out in all black, and she's bloody. They take a look in her van. And they find a crockpot box in the very back. It's the passenger rear back seat. Um, it's on top of a laundry basket. And they look inside and they find body parts, including legs. Um, and they take her in, clearly. She's, she's the one. She got caught. So... Um, <laughs> It's just, this is going to be a bit graphic, a bit much, so trigger warning. But anyway, they were smoking meth, okay? Uh, apparently, they also injected another drug, which I believe is like a downer or like, um, what are those called? A trank? Like mm -hmm. a tranquilizer? They yep. injected something. Were smoking meth and pot and, um... They went back to his house and were going to engage in, you know, sexual activities. Yep. Uh, he, Shad brought out a chain. It's like, kind of looks like a dog collar chain. Uh, one for her, one for him. She says he lays down face down on the bed. Uh, well, first she pleasures him. Okay. Um, and then... He lays down face down on the bed and she starts to choke him and uh, with the chain. And she says that she could feel his heart beating, uh, but he wouldn't die. And she said something about him like becoming muscle or something like that. It was it, the comment didn't make sense to me. And then 
Uh, she saw him turning purple. Well, no, she blacked out. She claims she totally blacked out, okay? And then wakes up, and he's purple. And so she just keeps going, and blood starts coming out of his mouth, and it's like he just wouldn't die. Well... I know, that's so wild. It, it's Yeah, she said, and, and she says in this low voice, like, yeah, I liked it, to the police officer that's interrogating her. She's still under... So the influence here too. I think that's important. Yes, like she's clearly on a bender yeah. um, and experiencing some form of psychosis. I think for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so she s- continued after he was dead to play with his body yes. for two to three hours. Yeah. Um, you know, using his male organ, uh, putting um, a sex toy inside of different orifices, yep. um, many things. I'm trying not to be too graphic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think your guys' imagination can figure it out. You yeah. know what I mean? She was behind him, okay, um, choking him from behind. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a terrible time to laugh. Anyway, so after she's done, she... Apparently drags him to the edge of the bed, puts the bucket under the edge of the bed, uh, grabs kitchen knives. Uh, She claims the bread knife worked the best because it was serrated, and she starts to dismember the body, okay? The blood dumps into the bucket. She takes it because they were like, where's all the blood? Like, yes, there's blood on the mattress, but there should be way more blood here. Well, she was taking it bucket by bucket and dumping it in the shower. And... There were body parts, like, literally everywhere. She even said to the cops, like... Not just body parts, organs. Yes, organs, body... She literally took his body apart piece by piece. Like, every piece. She said to the police officers that they were going to have a fun time finding all of his body parts. And while she's in there confessing, she's telling them very specific things like this is here and this is here. And they're corroborating that they're finding it on scene as she's telling them and they got their girl. So anyway, there was a long process of trying to determine if she was mentally, you know, um, competent to stand trial. She went through numerous uh, mental health exams um, they ended up eventually determining that she was mentally competent and could stand for trial. And that's what happened this year. Well, May, yeah. May 15th, before when it was her old lawyer and they were trying to set the trial date, the, they, they determined on, no, they determined on May 15th as a trial date. And as soon as the judge said that, she attacked her lawyer. She, like, lunges at him with her elbows and, like, tries to hit him. What? And she starts, like, kicking. She keeps fighting with her legs as they're, like, you know, trying to hold her down. And she I goes wild in this. the courtroom. Yes. Um, and that lawyer obviously quits. <laughs> and they got to get her a new lawyer. And this guy uh, comes in, and this is like, she has attacked her lawyer. She's done something super heinous, like, 
think about in and confess to every single part of it. Think about trying to form a defense. So this trial is not about whether she did it or not. It's about her mental state. It's about her mind. It's about the drugs. And if she knew what she was doing, it's pretty obvious from the confession. She knew exactly what she was doing, whether it was drug induced or not. She's claiming she's claiming she blacked out. Yet describing it in detail, every yeah, single she, thing that she yeah, did. Yeah, but she was still high. I think that's the biggest factor there is... Uh, Once you're not high, a, you don't remember anymore? N- no. Okay, so meth is not like heroin where once you come down with the half-life and everything like that, like you're, you're somewhat normal thinking process meth keeps you up so long and if you're on a bender multiple days like your brain will not be normal for at least two weeks at least well two yeah because the a serotonin sleep, all the et, chemical imbalances yeah, yeah. you got to be able to come completely down get it all the way to your system have a all your sleep get caught up that you missed on all those days that all starts adding up and then you got to go through like the emotional the serotonin levels your and brain the hormones, has to heal everything else that was going on like she would not have been able to think clear for multiple weeks yeah yeah i think you're right um and the psychosis changes you i've seen it with my own two eyes before i have seen you know? it i've seen it too and i i do think that's an important element of the case but Regardless, tons of people do meth every day and don't do stuff like this. So she shouldn't be on the streets. And no, no She should way. definitely be when in I'm prison. When I'm arguing that, no, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm thinking like, yes, she needs some mental help and in prison for the rest of her life. Yeah, and not uh, a death penalty probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. So. They went to trial, and what was interesting, she got a new lawyer, okay, and then they went to trial. In his opening statement, though, which I thought Bruce Rivers did a good job talking about, he's a lawyer, he's a criminal defense attorney, so he knows what he's talking about. I I totally saw what he saw. The lawyer, and he's like, I wouldn't even have done an opening statement in this situation. I would have, like, stayed my opening statement and, and talked about it later when we got into it or whatever. I don't understand all that. But when he made his opening statement, what he basically said was, we don't got to prove nothing. The prosecution has to prove that she did it and that she knew what she was doing. The burden is on them, not us. That's essentially what he said. It wasn't like, look, my, you know, um, client was, you know out of her mind like it was a drug induced psychosis so we have the experts we're gonna show you how this affected her brain and why she didn't know what she was doing and this and this and this is why she needs like you know mental health help not prison like you know what i mean i don't know whatever they would come like that's when you're supposed to like lay it down like this is what we're here to prove to you we're gonna prove she was mentally unstable and did not know what was going on or you know what i mean yeah he didn't say none of that none of that maybe that's why she attacked her first lawyer because she wants her lawyer to 
for real defend as if it's possible she's innocent. Well, I don't you know, know. You know what's weird? In one part of the court hearing, she looks at somebody, whoever's on the stand, I don't know who it was, I saw it pointed out, where there's this clip of her going like, Psh, like she's shooting somebody, like aiming at somebody and shooting at somebody. Really? Yeah. I'm Which pre- was weird. It, it reminds pretty- me of Letitia Stock. Like, she literally just looks insane. I'm pretty sure that doing that in court gets you charged and can get whatever, whoever you did that to, removed. Well, she straight up did it. It's video. Like, I saw the video. How did they not hold her accountable well, for see, that? That's see, a threat. The, the bailiffs and, like, security were, because she has attacked a lawyer, were on high alert. Like, they're all there waiting. So I don't know if they let that slide to not upset her. Like, okay, she made one hand gesture out of all these hours. That's all she's done. So we'll just leave her alone. I don't, I don't know, but she totally did it. Threatening is, like super serious in my opinion was it a threat or it was like yeah like i don't care you're not competent enough to understand the difference yeah i don't know you know yeah she she did that though um and her lawyer so anyway she was she was found guilty It, it literally took the jury 45 minutes they came out and like yeah you're guilty on all charges um and the charges were Homicide, third-degree sexual abuse, uh, mutilating a corpse. Good. Yeah, I heard a lot of people saying, "How could they it be? How him... could it be S.A. if it wasn't attached to his body?" And I was like, "Like people." That's not her, what she's talking her about. Her defense when she's talking about using his body. Her defense. Okay tried saying stuff like well technically it wasn't a part of him anymore what he wasn't like it so it can't be sa she was wearing a toy yeah like okay so okay maybe you have an argument for that one piece of body part that was already taken off his body but what about well she used his thing too i i'm sure but she did lots of things but i mean Anyway, that was a weird argument. And then he was, the lawyer was interviewed after the conviction and they ask like about her life and stuff. And they talk about like how her mom, her mom died when she was young. She lived an extremely traumatic childhood. Her father did horribly abusive things to her. I don't agree with that defense at all. They shouldn't have brought up anything from her past and only focused it wasn't on in the, the courtroom. It was after the conviction, oh, okay. and this was an interview with media after all of it was over. I was going to say, I would have only focused on the dope. I would have been like, she has been a model citizen. Everything has been right. And then all of a sudden, she was going through some hard times, did some drugs with this guy, got a bad batch, and then all of a sudden, blackout and boom, she wakes up blood everywhere. You yeah, know what I mean? Honestly, I, I don't feel like he made that case well. I I don't think he really defended the mental instability part, the drug-induced psychosis type thing. Like, I I don't feel like that. But, I I don't know. I feel like it... It wasn't... I don't... I almost feel like it wasn't that fair of a trial, but I'm not exactly mad at it either. But he did say that at the sentencing, when the sentencing trial later on, that, um... He is going to try really hard to get her help 
that she needs help. Like this is an extremely traumatized person um, that, you know, was on drugs and needs help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe she should probably be in prison for the rest of her life. But I, I personally think step one needs to be a secure mental facility. So I, I don't remember what state this happened at, but like in Southern California, they have a really big secure mental facility where it's prison, but it's focused around mental health and, yeah. and getting you past trauma. And, um, like what's that really famous pinup model? She's there. It's everyone knows she's there. Betty something, Betty Betty, I don't remember, but no, um, I agree. As long as it's like, okay, you have a life sentence and you can spend it in a mental institution. Like that's fine. Um, with me, like I would just leave it up to a mental health professional. Like, would I be mad if a mental health professional came out in 20 years and was like, look, I, I really believe that she could come back in society again. I mean, I, I would need Oh, I would I'll... need second opinion on third opinion on fourth opinion on fifth opinion. Like I would need I a guess. group of psychologists, just... not just one who built a relationship with her that cause people are flawed. Like psychologists are super smart and everything and they know their field, but that doesn't mean yeah. they can't be manipulated. Well, yeah. It doesn't mean they're superhumans who can call out manipulation every single time yep. they see it. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of psychologists out there that they themselves are traumatized and have issues and became a psychologist because of, of it. So I they mean, have doctors weaknesses. are the same way. A- yeah. Anybody, a- if you're a human being, you have you have flaws. So uh, there's no way around that. That's just what it is. But yeah, I mean. The Dahmer connection, her infatuation with it, the, you know, she, she clearly had a traumatized childhood and then had really dark interests and then was using drugs that can cause you to literally go insane, like clinically insane. Um, I don't know, like... Yeah. It it just... I think she got what she was was supposed to. Even if it was drug-induced... She got what she deserved because yep. I think it brought out something in her that was already there. Maybe. So, I, I'm just, I have a hard time saying that unless I see those types of behaviors uh, without the dope, you know? But I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just, I mean, I would be so curious to know what a mental health expert says after working with her for like a month or two. You know what I mean? Hmm. So. Yeah, I would be curious about that. But it's. I just was like blown away. This is so disturbing. And it's, I watched the body cam footage of the police, like finding the stuff and and, like the cop on the stand, like when he was watching it and like everyone involved is just like, this is the worst case of like dismemberment. And like, like this is just horrible. Yeah. The one thing that throws me for a loop is that, She's been on this earth for a long time, has never done this before until this dope in this way and this thing. Yeah, but like, how do you know she's never been abusive or like 
like has this been an escalation? Because I, I haven't I'm seen not anything proving that she hasn't that. been abusive, but I I'm not saying she hasn't hasn't been either. Um, I'm just saying that she has never ended someone in this way. She very quickly came forward and admitted she did it, which could be the drugs, not her being honest and guilt because I don't think she felt guilt until she comes down. Uh, It's just not present. It is not there. No, Um, in the confession tapes, she doesn't seem like she feels guilty at all. No, because she's still high. Like, I think that's important to to know. She's still high. Um, But uh, the, the factor here is the dope. Yeah. You know? I mean... And a very specific type of person, probably. I don't think just anybody could, like, that's that's that whole fear with drugs. is like, you're going to do this, and it's going to make you go insane. Now, meth is something that can make you go insane, but it doesn't make everybody go that insane. No, you're, and it's not just the meth, you guys. There were other drugs involved. Yeah, there's other drugs, okay? I bet if she just would have used meth, that probably wouldn't have happened. Well, I don't know about that. Dude. Like, meth is wild on your brain, and then you're pairing it with pot that, dude, pot, I I haven't smoked pot in, I I can't even tell you how long, because it messes me up so bad. Yeah, but she's an addict that smokes it regularly, probably. It doesn't change the effects, and on top of whatever downer they're doing, like, that... That is wild. I totally think it's fair to say the drugs are to blame, but she chose to take the drugs, which makes her accountable for that situation. Still. I don't think the drugs are totally to blame, in my opinion. Not 100%. Then then she would have done it without them. No, not necessarily. They then can... the drugs are to blame. I mean... Either someone would have done it without them, or <laughs> That's the just a very black and white look at it, I Obviously. Think. I think yeah. there's nuance there. I don't. I mean, regardless, anyone who can because just like do some drugs yeah, but then everybody who does that combination of drugs is going to go out and murder people. So drugs are always no, to blame. That's not like, what I said. I said it. Yes, there are uh, ex- other factors from her past, like trauma and things like that. But it doesn't change that those wouldn't have been activated for her to do that situation without the drugs. Yeah. So I still think so the drugs are, are to blame. They're a catalyst. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let us know what you guys thought about this case. If you watched so any gruesome. of the trial, um, any of the body cam footage, it's horrific. I feel so bad for Shad and his family, um, his mom having to find that. And I really hope that they find peace after this, that they can move on with their lives and you know, remember the good things about him. and You know, I read this for the first time ever, okay? And for you guys watching, I don't know if we've talked about it recently, but, like, before we started doing the podcast, I did not watch any online content. I just didn't, you know? I'm starting to, to catch up and consume all this stuff since we started doing this, but I just so for the reason why I didn't see this case before. An hour before we started shooting... I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to cover this. And I, by the end of it, I was like, I don't want to talk about this on camera. I know it's, 
<laughs> I, it's but it's it's like all over the media right I, now. I hear you. So, I get it. I'm glad that you covered it because I I wanted to, but then I was like, Ugh, but I just. I'm too straightforward with the way that I say things that it made me nervous covering it because I would feel like I would need to be straight up with everything and be like, yeah, she put on a duh and this happened and like, yeah, it just made me nervous. A lot of people were in covering it. Um, I I don't think we have the, like the numbers yet to circumvent like the algorithm, you know, shadow banning the video or something because of it's graphic. It's horrific. It's like the, it it literally hits all the triggers for an algorithm. Yeah. (laughs) It's so bad. And, um, I don't know. I, it's just like heart wrenching, honestly. So, but yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. So this is a call to action, a call to action. Now, we started this conversation on our live stream yesterday and the day before, I'm pretty sure. Uh, And we're going to keep looking into this here. So where are we talking about? Where is this call to action coming out of? Okay, it is coming out of beautiful... Austin, Texas, one of the top three locations that are growing right now and places to live currently. I don't know if you guys have done any research at all, but like half of Southern California is moving to Austin, Texas, you guys. And I'm not even exaggerating. No, there's a mass exodus to Texas. Yeah, to Austin specifically. Specifically, you have Joe Rogan who moved his whole unit and everything out there with his podcast and his family. You have Elon Musk who's literally building an entire town out there. And if you haven't heard of that, check it out. It's crazy. You have... uh, All the comedians that are following Joe Rogan because he opened up a club that's now part of like the whatever you call it, the circuit of like comedy places and it has blown up, okay? And while I was doing the research, I looked into this and in the last 10 years, the property values have uh, tripled, have tripled, gone up 300%. So a house in... 2013, that was $270,000, is now $690,000, okay? Literally more than 300%, which is wild, absolutely insane. So where we're talking about specifically here, and if you go Googling this, like you catch little bits of information, you'll see a body covered here and a body covered there and a victim's name here, but like I literally feel like there's been like suppression of this idea and this story, okay? Because Austin for like five years has been one of the top three cities to move into, exclusive, blowing up, amazing, this, that, and the other. Well, this is in Austin, more specifically uh, Bird Lake. And I, I started doing a little bit of a background on Bird Lake, and it has a crazy history of its own where uh, it had oil spills, it had um, rigging disasters when they were uh, drilling for metals and all kinds of stuff. They have toxic algae, they have had toxic chemicals, they've had boat races that ended in a riot like literally at i swear i'm dead serious everything about like it makes me wonder is this 
is this lake on top of like an Indian burial ground? Like, you know, <laughs> like what's poltergeist? that? One? Like poltergeist. Yeah. And cause everything that happens here, uh, turns into a disaster, dude. It's beautiful though. Like the lake is amazing. You guys. It is a really and, beautiful area. Yeah. And okay. So we're going to be talking about this one specific part of the lake, uh, which you guys will see in the pictures and stuff. And we've looked at it. Um, and then three quarters of a mile away from that down, this road, this main road where you have buildings in downtown and everything like that is a place called Rainy Street, which is Austin's hottest nightlife area. Now, in 2009, the first bar opened up right around the same time that Austin started blowing up. Okay, the first bar, there was only one bar down there in 2009. Now, uh, in 2023, you can't take two steps without walking into a new bar. There is literally more bars than you can count down there. So uh, it is the nightlife. And um, there's people, it, it brings a young crowd. You have uh, UCs that are down there, other colleges. Um, it has an average age group between like early 20s to mid to late 30s okay so pretty young you know what i mean it's not like some old biker bar group of people that like to go drink there it's it's a younger crowd well since 2018 okay so five years five years okay there has been 24 24. We didn't know this when we were talking about it last night. Okay, we knew about the most recent 12 months. But in the last five years, there's been 24 drownings. And there's been even more than that. Are 24 match the criteria of the victims. So the victimology shows 24 that all match this That's right. idea. Like this... This, um, this stats like that's you know. right that's right so who are we talking about who are these 24 people okay um all of them you guys all of them are in shape and when i say in shape some of these men are like yoked they're big dudes okay, so man. they're all muscular men they are all muscular men yes they Weird. are they are in shape that you wouldn't expect them to be the ones drowning no way you wouldn't okay and some of them are big um but i'm gonna focus on specifically the most recent five because if we cover all 24 28 of these guys uh, we'll be here all night, okay? I, I can sell this on just five. And then with the understanding that the history is 28, like, this is a major call to okay, action, so okay? This is a... So, what? How many would that be per year? I, I have those. I have those numbers. So that's five a year? Um, no. Mm -mm. No. Five times five. He says five years. It's 25. So, okay, I guess I'll do the breakdown, but there's some additional information yeah, go here. Ahead. Go ahead. Um, okay, so um, these men are all in shape. There is various um, races, heights, things like that. One of the main thing is they're all in the same age range. They're all of similar build and in shape, and they all 
had recently been seen on Rainy Street, which is where all the bars are, about a half mile to three quarters of a mile away from this lake, okay? Now, this lake, you guys, is not very easy to get to. Um, when you're coming down Rainy Street, you not only have to walk about a half of a mile once you get up to the lake, there's a ton of trees and brush, there is a wooden fence in front of it. Now, the wooden fence, anybody could jump, okay? I thought when I was talking about it last night, it was like a fence fence, but it's just like an old school wooden fence with posts and two wooden slats or whatever that you could go under or over, but it's still a barrier, okay? Now, once you get to that wooden fence, you're still more than 100 feet away from the water. And the only way you're going to get down to the water is walking down these steps. You are not going to make it through that brush. People have talked about like, okay, well, maybe these guys were walking on the trail and tripped and fell. No, it is so filled with brush that it would have caught you. It would have stopped you. You would not just go rolling down a hill into water with the amount of brush and trees and vines and everything else that's there, okay? So, who are these most recent guys, and why have we not heard that we have a serial killer, right? Because yeah. you hear this. This is serial killer stuff. On June 20, well, actually, I'll, I'll work backwards, okay? So, um, February 13th is the first one of this year, you guys. So, last year we had five, this year we have five. So, in the last 12 months, we're looking at 10 total men that all fit this criteria uh, and description and all have been ended the same way, okay? So, February 13th, 2023, we have Jason John, and uh, it says that, he was found near 30 East Ave. For you guys watching, I will put a picture up here of dots on the screen. You can see how close they are to him. Medical examiner said this is an accidental drowning. Now, month later, okay, less than a month, about uh, two weeks, three weeks, March 5th, Clifton Axtell. The APD medical examiner ruled this not suspicious at the time. Okay, so accidental, not suspicious. April 1st, a, a month after, we have Jonathan Honey. Medical examiner labels this accidental drowning. Okay, April 15th, two weeks later, we have Christopher Hayes Clark. No foul play or suspicious circumstances are involved. June 27th. We have Moga Dogol, and this is not being investigated as a homicide, meaning they're not even going to have it looked at by the medical examiner. Okay, okay. If, if that this was is, June, you guys. If that is true that the police are having these many random drownings, like, it, it's weird to me that they wouldn't, like, connect the dots and be like, okay, there's a reason that this is happening and it could be a serial killer. It could not be. Let's figure out what's happening. Cause this is ridiculous. We're having way too many people drowning in here. I there's either a weak spot somewhere around here where people are stumbling in, not possible. Or, which I don't think is the case either. Or we got like killings happening from something. Yep. Somebody, yep. a group, a person, you know, drugs, something's happening. Okay, so 
We have these five bodies, okay? And um, the most recent one was like less than a month ago, okay? Um, well, in 2022, we also had five in this same similar time frame. In the last 12 months, we've had 10 total young men in their 20s to uh, early 30s, all very fit, all ended in this same way, all labeled uh, accidental drowning, okay? Well, let's go back another year to 2021 where they had uh, three of them around this same time, 2020. So you mean the beginning of the year, the first like half mm-hmm. of the year? Yep. No, 2021. I'm yeah. going back year by year. I, I so know we you had are. five, five, three, four, six, eight. 2018, eight bodies. Okay. 2019, six bodies. 2020, uh, four bodies. 2021, three bodies. 2022, five bodies. 2023, five bodies. Now, you want to know the five years prior to that. So, 2017, working back. 2017, two. 2015, one. Uh, 2014, none. 2013, none. 2012, one. And all ones for the rest of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This does not make sense, yeah. you guys. Now. So what I was asking is, are they all during a certain time of the year? Like the mm-hmm. summer? Yep. Or They are? Mm-hmm. They're all during the summer? Yep. Yep. Like spring, summer? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep, they are. But why those numbers are important, okay? Um, now, I'm going to look at this from the police's point of view. And the police could look at this and be like, well, of course, that those numbers make sense because our city wasn't growing in the same rate back then as it was now, okay? Um, sure. So let's play that game, okay? Let's go down the statistics game. And we have... Um, What, statistics on drownings? Yeah. Okay, so Texas had 76 drownings with a total of 30 million people. So Texas's statistic is one drowning for every 400,000 people, okay? Now, there are 150 lakes or rivers solid bodies of water in Texas. So there are a ton of different places that this can happen. So the argument doesn't make sense for someone to be like, well, what about the cities that don't have a lake? Okay, there's still 150 of them that people live around, right? So one drowning for every 400K. You know what Austin's is? Hmm. One drowning for every 96,000. They are four times the average. Four times the average. Yeah, I mean... This is a serial I don't killer. think it takes a, a, a rocket scientist to figure out something's up, and it's very, very suspicious. Strong like, men, okay? These are all very strong men. Now, here's another tip for you guys. Where they're saying these guys are going into the river, okay, which that's debatable in my opinion. I don't think that it is that one spot, okay, because I do think that this is a serial person. Are you talking about when you walk straight down the street and walk down the stairs on the trail? Yep. I don't think that is the only spot. I do think there's more to this that we're not 
seeing because of the water, because whoever they are, they know what they're doing, whatever, okay? And the reason why I say that is, one, this water can be stood in at the edge. So let's just pretend, okay, that we believe this storyline. These guys are so wasted drunk that, like, they don't know which way's up or anything like that, and they go stumbling, have no idea where they're walking, roll down the hill and roll into the water. You can stand up in this water. You can stand up in it. That makes no sense whatsoever. And there's no evidence of them like hitting their head and None. then falling in the water. None. So but if they we were don't f- trust these medical examiners. Yeah, because if they were falling into the water like that, you would expect to see abrasions, like maybe bruises, like you, a head injury. You would expect to see something falling down like brush and rocks into water that's that would not be just like oh there's they're perfect you want to know something else interesting huh so uh six of these people have been checked again by medical examiners you know what they found Hmm. no water in their lungs (sighs) yeah what yep so the question is why okay why And for you guys that don't know, in order to have an accidental drowning, you have to inhale water. Your body does that automatic, even if you're unconscious, okay? Let's just assume these guys are as drunk as they said, because that's what the storyline is here. These guys all had alcohol in their system, okay? Um, And that they got drunk, wandered to the river, and fell in, accidental drowning, okay? Um, Let's just assume they hit their head, they got hurt, and fell in the water. Their body would automatically inhale, fill with water, and they would drown, you guys. So half of them uh, did not have water in their lungs, meaning they were ended somehow else, okay? And they're not ended in an obvious way. No one's hitting them over the head. No one is strangling them. No one is shooting them. No one is stabbing them. They are ending them in some other way. Um, And it doesn't make a lot of sense because I feel like these are not being investigated properly. If the PD is saying there's no connections, it's because they're not looking, okay? They are four times the state average of drownings. The FBI should be in this town right now in this. Yeah, they should. what it should be. They should. That's who needs to be in this right now, okay? I'm going to cover a story next week that correlates with this because we're going to keep watching on this, and that is the smiley face killers. Very similar in uh, in theory, I guess, but the smiley face killers would end dudes and then throw them in a river, okay? Mm. That's what's going on here. But maybe not all the smiley face killers got caught either, you guys. That's an important and a really important thing um, that not all of them got caught. It was a group, which yeah. makes it even scarier, It was okay? like a massive group, wasn't it? It was, yes. Okay, well, one of them didn't get caught branched off, continued having this this feeding need or whatever, and they've upped their game, okay? They've upped their game. They've done it in a way where they can drop somebody in water, their body swells up, and you don't know who, what, how, where, why, any or of these things. Or like the Summerton Beach, they're using a poison yep. that degenerates, that it... it, it evaporates it goes away basically it decays 
decay. It decays too fast, uh, leaves the system so fast that they don't know what it is. They can't even test for it. One thing we know is this serialist became active in 2018. Now, I, I want to show you guys something. The, the biggest spike in these last in these years here is 2018, okay? I think they started for their first time in 2018 and were kill crazy and, oh, I want to do another. Oh, I want to do another. Oh, I want to do another. Then all of a sudden they have eight bodies and people on Reddit and Facebook and YouTube are like, you guys, what is going on here? We... There's we had eight, eight people. Drownings this year. Yes, this is way more than normal. And they're like, "Oh shoot! Like we screwed up. We need to pull. We need to pull this back. You know what I mean? We can only do this during the busy bar times of the year. We can only do this in this way. Like whatever. I think. I think based on these numbers, that's exactly what happened. Whoever I'm, this, I'm guessing here, guys. Yeah. But uh, I think. Yeah. Whoever, whoever's doing this, which I, I. Am convinced it's a serial killer, um, is I think incredibly intelligent. This is one of the probably smartest serial killers yep. out of all the serial killers because they are doing something that leaves no evidence that yep. fooled everybody, you know, unless there's corruption, unless we can't trust you know the feeling I get from this, the investigators. And there's another content creator out there that had. A kind of similar thing here, okay, is uh, I was doing some research just into a few of these guys, just a few of them. Um, the victims? All, yep, the victims. They're all in shape. They uh, all care about their appearance, okay? They're, they're pretty much attractive. Um, there is one transgender person in here, Um and uh, there's another uh, gay guy in here, and um, I wonder if this is sex-related with a couple. Oh. And they're picking them up to do something like kinky, playful, uh, D and S type situation, and... Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just going from there and that they, it is a plan to, to end these people. Yeah. That's my guess. See, I thought it might be like, um, a serial killer preying on gay people, like gay men who are cruising. I think that's like a good theory going, too. Going down like to that little trail by the river and they're like checking, you know, like, you know. Going to have some privacy, cruising. Yeah. Um, I That was kind of my thought, my theory. But, I mean, I, I don't think the police are going to be able to ignore this forever. So many people are talking about it now, especially in the community, just like they were in Portland. And yep. they're going to they're want answers. Like, that this was... This is ext- going on a lot that longer was, than I realized. Though. Yeah. This is this scary, is, dude. This is great evidence, though, yeah. what you just showed. The numbers don't lie. Like, why would it go from Statistics. zero, one, yep. to, like, 
4.8. It's four times the continue. state average. Continue. Yeah. And then it stays high. Yep. I agree. Now, you know what I'm curious about, and I haven't checked myself, is when the smiley face killers started, when they got caught, and if they moved from Minneapolis or Milwaukee or wherever it was, I forget where it was, and someone moved to Texas, okay, and uh, picked it back up again. I wonder, was it 2017, 2018? And that will be interesting. It would be interesting to look into. This is... My call to action for you guys out there, if this interests you, like the people of Austin are worried, they are nervous, they are all over the news. And I mean, I'll post some pictures here of some of the videos about the victims and the victims' families. And the victims' families also think that this is a, a, a serial ender because these men are strong, they can swim, they wouldn't drown in water that you can stand up in. Like, there's too many obvious things here while creating a repetitive victim. You know what I mean? And uh, But I'd love to know what you guys think about it, too. And, uh, you know, if you want me to dig into this deeper, I can. I gave a brief rundown about why sometimes the police will lag drag their heels to present uh, a serial ender and there is some monetary reasons there not because they're bad but you know you got to worry about P&Ls and departments and things like that and a lot of times southern states don't necessarily love the FBI coming in their backyard there's a lot of different possibilities maybe that's something I'll cover on updates next week or something like that but uh, I want to know what you think about it Yeah, and if you have any additional information or you're from the area and want to reach out and, you know... Please do. Yeah, go for it. Please do. We would love to talk to you. Yep. But that's it. That's a wrap. They could be going to the bar, too. I forgot to say, when I was doing some research here, you know the Uber costs at 2 a.m. down there because this place has blown up so much? It's $75 just to go to the other side where most people live. Wow. That's expensive. Yeah. That's really expensive, which is causing a lot of people to like go down to the bar or they might not even be drinking. They might be going to get food and walk back, which is only like a mile and a half to their house to save 75 bucks. And then they're, you know, getting picked up, whatever's going on here, but something shady. So, yeah. But anyways, that is what I got. Now it's an actual wrap. (laughs) Yeah. That is a wrap, and uh, this is Thought Riot Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brendan. You already know my name. I already you introduced myself. You know her name, <laughs> and uh, make sure you go into streamlabs.com forward slash Thought Riot Podcast, and uh, make sure you hit subscribe, follow, yeah. a ring-a-ding bell, Discord, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Comment. Twitch, YouTube, Spotify. Come join us on one of them. And yes, we love the comments, you guys. I, I truly want to know your opinion. I really, really, really do. There are so many of you that have left comments that have got my brain moving and working and thinking. And I want to hear comments and opinions that are different than mine. Like, I want that, you know? What, what fun is it if we have everyone in here that thinks the same way? That's a boring community. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so definitely reach out. We want to hear from you. Yes. Um, 
come join the live stream. You yes. Know, investigate with us. We love your opinions and appreciate you. And we're going to catch you on the live stream. Yep. Thanks for watching. Thought Riot out.